And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funnies of every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. It's me. I'm here. I'm eating a chocolate. (laughs) You are eating a chocolate. And Miss Brittany Brabacher is also here. Me. We should do the whole podcast like this. People would tune out immediately. We would have so many one-star reviews. Yeah. Oh, no, we don't need any more one-star reviews playing Please online. <laughs> Please no. I well, wouldn't blame them, though. I'd be annoyed as fuck. Listen, I'm yeah, with you. Sure. Whether it's your first episode or your 145th episode, we are Woo. so glad wow. that you guys are joining us here at What's Good Games. It's been an exciting week. Has it? It's only Wednesday. <laughs> oh, God. It's been a weird No, it's been a very loop. fun week. I Yeah, I'll talk more about it next segment kind of yeah so Brittany's been traveling as you may have seen on social media she has been flying so we were just in las vegas last week for the academy of interactive arts and sciences annual summit the dice summit which by the way stands for design innovate create and entertain (gasps) i didn't didn't, somebody asked me at work and i was like you know i don't know (laughs) (laughs) they're like is it gambling and you should say no it's not I mean, if it's, it's in Vegas, it's dice, it's a thing. No, I understand, yeah. like, the, you know, correlation. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not what dice is about. Correlation, not causation. Correct. We had some great conversations with a bunch of people, mm. and Brittany and I uh, were on stage, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. But before we get to that, Brittany, we have quite a few announcements to get to. We do. I guess that's you pitching it to me. All right. So <laughs> do you want me to do There's the that No, no, I got pitch. this. It's been a Pick long day, up, ladies and gentlemen, but we were it. having a good time. We listened to Thunderstruck before we started shooting this episode. We yes, had some we Red Bull. We're ready to go. All right. So PAX have Red East. Bull. Red Bull is disgusting. I had Red Bull. I don't think I, I kind of regret it. Kind of don't. Um, okay. So PAX East is next week, which is mind boggling. So our PAX East panel is Saturday, February 29th at 5 p.m. at the Bobcat Theater. Unfortunately, it will not be live streamed, but we are going to do our best to record it and publish it for you the week after so you can hear about all of the shenanigans. Oh, we have to. We have some help. One at Pixel Brave is going to be there assisting us recording the podcast. Nice. Thank you. Christian, you're the best. Your assistance yes. is very appreciated. Two years to get to this point, but we did it. You know, you know, every, takes, everything takes time. It does. And then we have our PAX East meetup Friday, February 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. at Lucky's Lounge at Sinatra Room. I believe it is all ages until uh, 9 p.m. Eyes. It is all ages. Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you don't need a PAX badge right. to attend. So if you didn't buy one and you're in the Boston area, you can just come on down. You also don't need to be 21 or over to attend. You can come by and say hi as well. It'll be great. And then we have our PAX East, pa- not PAX East, PAX Patreon streams 
at PAX East, Friday, the 28th of February from 12 to 2 Eastern. If you are a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash watch good games. Watch good games. Watch good games. And those links are all there ready for your eyeballs. So this is the first time we've ever done a stream from the PAX yeah. pod. And so they reached out to us and they're like, hey, we have this pods. Are you interested in streaming? And we're like, actually, normally we'd say no, but this time, why not? Because we've had a busy month and it's been hard to get together to do the streams. February has been challenging. February is always the shortest month of the year, but this year in particular, with the way that some of our internal travel has lined up, it hasn't been great. It's technically a longer February than normal. It is. You are not incorrect. It is a leap year, ladies and gentlemen. There are 366 days this year. That means, apparently, according to that movie, you should go ask a man to marry you. (laughs) Just anyone. What? Okay, I don't know. Right. I think that's the. I think that was that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the Pax Pods are generally for single streamers, and we ask them, "Can three people stream in the Pax Pods?" And they're like, "We'll make it work." Oh, it can be so real cozy. We think that we have technical problems on a normal basis. Just feel yourself that there may the be things that go wrong. Main problem would be the space, but we are also cozy together. I don't mm-hmm. think it matters. We are. Yeah. For me, I'm like, mm, I need to know about lights, microphones, cameras, all that. I thought pizzazz. you said something about Bud Light for a minute. So, I was oh, like, would you like some Bud Light? No, no I've got, okay. I've got my wine. I'm yeah. good. Who wants Bud Light? I would like a Bud Somebody Light. Somebody probably somewhere. Though? Not right now, but like, because I'd burp the whole time on the show. But I could go for Bud Light. It's nice. Mm. Nice, crisp, refreshing, refreshing, crisp lager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you guys are going to be in Boston and you're not afraid of the coronavirus, come on down. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about that story in just a little bit. But before we get to that, we want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, ooh, who we just saw at Dice, which we'll talk about in a second. Daniel Hall, Ferris Ate, Mohammed, Mohammed, Marcus Brown, Daniel Hall, and Punctified. Why is Daniel Hall's name in there twice again? I know, because I haven't changed it. He's, uh, you know... So here's the thing. So nicely listed him twice. <laughs> I haven't changed it, but I'm going to pivot. It's like, Andrew, I was trying to trick you because last week you said the same exact thing. Also, Wait. Punctified was that dice. Nice seeing you, sir. Mm, yes, it was so good to see you. Are you eating chocolate on the show? Wait, you know what? It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> so, oh, well- my God. This bozo? Oh, we're going to talk about him. Oh, wait. What did he come on board? Okay, so we have new patrons to our Patreon community. We have Kevin Komaki. We have Dash. We have <laughs> Nick Han. We have Lumi Morales. Morales. That's a cool name. That is a good name. Steve Smith. Maroon Date Noon. Maroon Date Noon. Maroon Date Noon. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. There are That's zeros smart. in there. It looks weird. I understand why she is confused. I appreciate that. Steve, Toby, Rebecca, Hannah Sandler, Chelsea Williams, Yaw, Amy Alexander, Hans, Ten, Kate, Nathaniel Schoon, Kristen Kelly, James, and Greg Miller. Is so, that Greg Miller? So that Greg Miller. I wrote, yes, that Greg Miller in parentheses because when the Patreon notification came in, because we get email notifications every time somebody subscribes to the Patreon, which BT dubs every time you sign up, we all see it. Um, I saw it come in, and I didn't recognize the email address at first. And obviously, Greg, I'm not going to out your email address. Um, it was. <laughs> we're friends. But I hadn't seen this email address in quite some time. So I was like, wait, is that really Greg's email address? Or is that someone posing as Greg? Because let's be honest, there are plenty of people posing as that's Greg. That's a very right? common yeah, name, Greg Miller, too. Yeah. And so I went to my email inbox and searched it. And then sure enough, it popped up. So was, we had yeah. like a... We had an email from like five or six years ago with that address. And I was like, oh, thanks, Greg. It's nice to see you support us. Even though, you know, we've just been supporting kind of funny, you know, since the beginning. But I mean, okay. I built that it's thing true. on my back. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I didn't. laughs> 
I'm just kidding. Everybody uh, relax. <laughs> I'm really sad that we didn't get anyone new who fights you on pineapple on pizza. Oh, you, you think that the uh, I think I want the, the war f- was going to continue. I want the war. So if you want to tell Andrea whether or not pineapple belongs on pizza, you it can does. subscribe to our Patreon for only two dollars and get your word in. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, so, but do we do thank everybody who signed up? We love that you guys are part of everything that we're doing at Patreon.com/slash What's Good Games. In fact, we had a very fun and top secret shoot with Patreon this week. Yeah, we did. It is the reason we're all a little exhausted right now. The reason for the season of yeah. tired. It was yes. really fun. It was a great experience. And we have some really cool behind-the-scenes photos and videos that we can show you eventually, but not just anywhere, only at patreon.com slash what's good games. And hopefully we'll be able to share with you the project that we shot with them publicly once they, of course, you know, make it public. But that's all we can say for now. Mm-hmm. So... Hmm. Um, continuing on, Brittany, we've got a whole slew of new podcast reviewers. Yeah, and they all left really, really nice five-star reviews, ladies. I'd say if you're ever feeling a little down in the dumps, pop on in, look at these reviews. They're a real mood booster. You guys do so much to make us feel so good, and the support that you guys give us by leaving these reviews means so much to us, and I, every time I go in and read them, I'm like, oh man, it's all, it's all worth it. They like us. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I guess I'm gonna read these now. (laughs) Yeah, we've decided Ducky. you're the best at reading Ooh, yeah. people's screen names. Am I? I don't know. Ducky348, Nihilism826. I would have fucked that up. Tavo, 1993. Jay Curtis, 89. Hero Side, 007. Re- this is spelled incorrectly, but I feel like it should be Respectable Llama. No, so this, so the, we did this last week where we read Respectable or Repickable, and we stumbled, and they, let, they left a new review and told us it's supposed to be Reactable Llama. Oh. That's not even close. I don't know why you're doing that. Why would there be a P in there? Okay, anyways. (laughs) Seldana 101. Zachary A. Scrappy 702. Diamond Donut. Ooh, donuts. Uh, (laughs) PFC. Okay. Okay, okay, so then this person also left a review saying this is how you say my name. PFC. Ocat. Ocat. Yep. Nathan Eldinger. (laughs) CC Latino and Hufflepuffer. Hufflepuffer. You Love know it. they left a nice review because they're the nicest house. <laughs> it's true. Even I get that. Hufflepuffs are really nice. Yeah. Even though I'm Team Gryffindor all the way. Um, but thank you very much to everybody for supporting the show. We love you and you're the best. So now let's get into the news. But before we do that, I have to tell you it's brought to you by Me Undies. So, ladies, imagine your fifth grade self looking into the future and learning that as an adult, you got an undies membership. Did you ever call undies undies? Yeah, we did, no, right? As uh, kids? I think it's called we them underwear. Like a little, uh, hmm. Panties. Panties. Nah, see, panties. No, that was a word that people were very divided on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I just said mm. underwear, but honestly, it's been so long, I, I do not like remember. undies is the thing that the school bully like talked to you about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. give you a wedgie. Well, no one ever gave me a wedgie. Uh, um, but what I'll we're really talking about yeah. today is not your horrific fifth grade bully <laughs> memories, but instead... We're talking about me undies and their super soft underwear and their fun, flexible membership. John Drake's two words, the two F words that he always likes to bring up, fun and flexible. Oh. Whenever stuff gets stressed, he's like, listen, today, there's only going to be two F words today. It's going to be fun and flexible. And it always diffuses tense situations. And I'm like, John Drake, this is what you I feel motivated. Yeah. yeah. So if you guys choose to sign up for MeUndies Fun and Flexible membership, you're going to get perks like site-wide savings, free shipping, and new undies delivered to your door each month. Go forth. Be an adult and sign up for that undies membership. Even your past self is laughing at you. 
even if your past self is laughing at you, is maybe what I was supposed to say. Maybe Listen, close we've talked about MeUndies on the show many times. Uh, we all love our MeUndies products. I'm particularly a fan of the new Freeform ladies underwear products that they have. Yeah, those are really nice. They're super fun. And then the new prints that they're coming out with for spring, they just did this Valentine's Day activation, the match your bottom half to your better half. Mm-hmm. and was really adorable. And of course, you know, we're all big fans of the onesies over at oh. MeUndies. So there's something for everybody. They also have a bunch of new products. They have a new jogger. They have like a new long sleeve shirt. Ooh, and I they like have joggers. Um, they have a whole new line of loungewear if you guys haven't been over to MeUndies in a while. Um, and it's a great gift too if you have somebody in your life that has like a birthday or something. And so I gifted John a underwear membership um like mm. for his birthday, I think last year or something. We just recently changed the style because he used to be a boxer brief guy, and now he switched over to their traditional boxer brief and decided he likes it. He likes the boxer better. Never know. I got Jason you know? some loungewear for Christmas. Oh, That's all he wears nice. now. I you really need to buy wash myself those things because, as you I should, single woman. Listen, oh, I yeah. maybe open multiple accounts to get advantage of our discount. <laughs> it, so, it feels so good against your body. Yes, it does. Yes. So you guys have probably have heard, speaking of feels so good against your body, that they're the softest undies to ever grace your nethers. That's because they're made with micro muddle. Now, what the heck is that, you may be asking? Well, it's a magical, sustainable, soft-as-heck fabric made from trees. Yes, trees, you guys, that makes your bits feel like they're floating on a cloud. Mm-hmm. They're designed to be the softest thing you've ever put on your body and offered in range of sizes from extra small to 4XL. Now, me undies doesn't just make undies as we've been talking about we love their loungewear which has recently had a glow up check out their new line of styly micromodal loungewear that you can wear in and out of the house plus they know that they're on every podcast which you guys know (laughs) but just because they're looking for true undie domination doesn't mean that you should not buy them because they're not going to stop until you try them (laughs) before they ever paid us it's true. I spent a lot of money on MeUndies. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the day that the email came in that was like, MeUndies wants to work with What's Good Games. I was like, I, I was like, love MeUndies. Heck yes, a brand I yeah. already paid for. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, it's underwear. What's the big deal? But I have been converted. <laughs> yes. And I really love the prints. They're yeah. super fun. If you guys want to be converted and find fun prints, you have got to take advantage of our special offer for any first-time purchases. You will get 15% off plus free shipping. That's a no-brainer, you guys, especially because they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. To get your 15% off your first pair, free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to meundies.com slash W-G-G. That's M-E-U-N-D-I-E-S dot com slash W-G-G meundies.com. So last week, Brittany and I were at Dice, as we mentioned just mere moments ago. Mm -hmm. And you may have noticed that they gave out the annual Dice Awards. So what's interesting and different about the Dice Awards versus the Game Awards, which people are maybe more familiar with, is that the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences is run by a group of professionals that work in the video games industry. So it's all peer-nominated, peer-judged, and peer-voted. Unlike the Game Awards, which is uh, nominated and judged by people like us, people members of the media and, and content creators. So very different pool of people judging. Mm-hmm. And when we first announced the nominees, it was clear that even just from the nominees, it was a different pool of people who were looking at these yeah. games. And boy, oh boy, was I not prepared for the selection of winners that happened at the <laughs> Dice Awards. So Kotaku wrote up a little article about 
kind of synopsing what happened last week. So they write a short but delightful game about a rambunctious waterfowl took home the top honors at the Dice Awards, joining games like Overwatch, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and Fallout 4 in the pantheon of Game of the Year award winners. Meanwhile, Remedy's Control snagged four awards on of, of its own. Untitled Goose Game waddled away with three awards during the annual Design, Innovate, Create, and Entertain show. Along with the justly deserved Game of the Year, Developer House House was also awarded Outstanding Achievement for an Independent Game, Outstanding Achievement in Character. <laughs> Remedies Control, while they did not win Game of the Year, it won just about everything else. Outstanding Achievement in Game Direction, Action Game of the Year, Outstanding Achievement in Original Music Composition, and Outstanding Achievement in Art Direction. So if you guys want to look at the full list of winners... Over at the Dice Awards, of course, you can go to interactive.org, the Dice website, or you can also go to this Kotaku article that we referenced at kotaku.com. Um, but Brittany, Yo. we presented an award for online game so of the year. And it was so nice. Thank you. It was really fun. Yeah, we kind of found out super last minute that we were going to be presenting an award. Yes. So we had a fun little shopping trip in Las Vegas. It was. So traditionally, the awards at DICE are presented by developers because they're voted on, nominated, and judged by developers. But unfortunately, there was a couple of people that couldn't travel due to various reasons. And so we were asked by the production team at DICE if we could step in. And we were like, wait, us? Wait, us? Are you talking to us? Uh, yes, of course. We would love to. Yeah. This calls for sparkles. Sparkles. And sparkles we delivered. Yeah, sure I like their little cost. Oh, thank you. It was really fun. No, it was, a, it was a really good time. It was a lot of fun up there. I like that we kind of had the freedom to be ourselves. Obviously, we followed the scripts as we were supposed to. But we were also able to insert a little bit of like Brit and Andreisms, which is really great. Yes. Well, we didn't want to derail the show too much because... Like we do Dice, on the show. <laughs> it's true. Dice prides itself on being a very fast-paced, trim show. They don't have a lot of the bells and whistles that the Game Awards has because mm -hmm. they are very much servicing a different audience. That said, it was a really great moment, and the online Game of the Year category was stacked with a lot of really fantastic games. Clearly, I was gunning for Destiny because I've been a long-time Destiny fan, and I think the things that they're doing from a design perspective specifically with online multiplayer are top tier in this industry, but also Apex has had a banner year to think that this game has been out for so few months and that they were able to create this like zeitgeist around everything that they were doing. Like hats off to Respawn and Vince and his entire team. And mm -hmm. it was a really nice moment to be able to hand that to Vince after having, you know, worked with him at EA Play and kind of seen everything. And then, of course, coming on the heels of his announcement, um, opening Dice LA. So it was mm -hmm. very cool. Yeah, the other nominees were Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Destiny 2, Tetris 99, and Wargroove. That was really... It was a really good feeling. I've never presented a award like that before. And it was awesome to read Apex Legends and then hear that whole table go, whoa, because I think they were pretty close to the stage. Yeah. It was just like, oh, you guys did it. Here's the thing. I don't know. It was a really cool moment. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. It was fun. If you guys want to watch the archive, you can, of course, catch that on IGN.com or on IGN's YouTube channel. Um, or you can find all of the winners over at interactive.org. All right. Moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Sony backs out of Silly Goose. Wait, what's happening? No, no. Go ahead. Sony backs out of PAX East over coronavirus concerns. 
This also comes from Kotaku.com. PlayStation is pulling out of PAX East. That's what she said. Due to increasing concerns related to the illness colloquially known as the coronavirus, it said on the PlayStation blog this week. Sony's booth was slated to feature major upcoming games like The Last of Us Part 2, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and Doom Eternal. The show, which has drawn over 70,000 attendees in the past, takes place in Boston from February 27th to March 1st. The news comes two weeks after a man living in Boston was found to have the illness after returning home from Wuhan, China, the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak. Quote, we felt this was the safest option as the situation is changing daily, Sony wrote in the post. We are disappointed to cancel our participation in the event, but the health and safety of our global workforce is our highest concern. Period. And then they wrote an update to the article saying, this, so this was the response from ReadPop, the, the PAC's organization that puts on the conference. While we are saddened that Sony will no longer have a presence at PAX East 2020, we look forward to welcoming our friends at Sony to future PAX events and are focused on making PAX East 2020 a successful and enjoyable event for all attendees and exhibitors, said Kyle Marsden Kish, the show's event director. PAX East 2020 will take place as scheduled with enhanced cleaning and sanitation across the show. <laughs> so that means there'll be like little squirt stations all over the place. Yeah, that's what she yeah. said, squirt stations. Including adhering to the recommendations set forth the U.S.'s EPA Emerging Pathogen Policy regarding cleaning disinfectants effective against COVID-19 virus. Marsden Kish said that more information is available on the PAX East website. Dang. Yep. I mean, just dang. This just sucks all around, right? I was flabbergasted at this news. I think the first part of me was like, whoa, what the fuck? How could they do this? I, I almost feel like I went through, like, the stages of grief. <laughs> okay, yeah. Like, going through. Okay. I was, like, in denial. I was angry. I was sad. And then, like, I haven't yet got to acceptance, but I'll get there. Um, and so I, I read the process. process. Like, so I got into it with some people on Twitter to be oh. like, listen, I am not for one second saying that the coronavirus isn't a dangerous virus that you should absolutely be cautious of. Mm-hmm. But to say that there was a single case that was diagnosed a couple of weeks ago, so clearly, like, CDC came in and, like, clamped that shit down. They were like, you are in quarantine, son. But, like, this idea that they would remove themselves from the show, because I can't keep saying pull out. Um, (laughs) Please do. Literally seven days? Eight days? Seven days. Before... It was. It was exactly seven days, it's right? It's the ring reference. Before the show is like... I mean, we all it's die? It's mind-boggling to me the sheer amount of money that Sony is losing by withdrawing from the show is cannot be understated. Like, I mean, we're talking millions of dollars that they've just like swept under the rug. Yeah. Yeah. They put it in a pile and let it on fire. That's we're what like, you can do. Goodbye. Someday we'll be at that point, Andrea. Weeks, if not months worth of work from multiple teams. And the real ripple effects that maybe people don't understand is not only are consumers upset and mad that they can't play The Last of Us, which is like, let's be honest, was the big draw here. But the um, developers that were going to be featured in PlayStation's booth that no longer will have that foot traffic of those eyeballs, the gamers getting the opportunity to play their games that really needed it, some of the smaller games. Not only that, I wonder how the show floor is going to feel. Because there's going to be a giant, what, vacant space? Like, there yeah. was... Th- 
it's just crazy to me that they pull out oh god I'm just, <laughs> right? this right? late <laughs> because oh god i can't now just don't keep going um, you're on a roll but then i was like eh, whatever um because as somebody else mentioned on twitter today like this this case was reported a couple weeks ago so like if they had wanted to can't i and then like i would maybe understand it more if it was like okay a couple weeks ago we were heard about one person and then maybe we could go to hear about another person and then maybe like if it had seemed like it was escalating i could maybe understand it a little bit more but this kind of feels like maybe they just now realized <laughs> that somebody had the virus and they were like well if one person in the city of boston has it we should just not go what it's it's wild and like I had made these comparisons to people really panicking about the virus, but not panicking about the fact that there are, you know, more than 20 cases of influenza that have been reported in the city of Boston. And no, that doesn't seem like it stopped people from going to PAX before when there have been reported cases of influenza or the diseases. And then I'm not comparing the diseases head to head. Like, that's what I was going to bring let's up. Be, let's be clear. Yeah. Because people got after me on Twitter being like, you're not a doctor. You should be giving medical Mm -hmm. advice. I'm like, I'm not giving medical advice. I'm saying if you're scared about the virus, don't be scared. Go learn about it. Here's all of these resources at the World Health Organization at the the Center for Disease Control. Yeah. Yeah, That was my point. And then you you can also say in China's like... You got you got a lot of weird people in your replies, and so you mean like conspiracy theorists? Yeah, or? there we go. Oh, great. Yeah, no, I don't know enough about it to like speak. You know, because people are saying it's two times as deadly as the flu. I don't know, and I'm not going to pretend to know. It's well, there's a lot of those statistics that they're literally making up on the fly because, because they don't have so enough new, data, right? right? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're still fighting it. They're still combating it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, but you can't. At the end of the day, like I can't be mad at Sony for prioritizing their employees. I mean, if that's what they're saying, I know a lot of people were quick to say, "Oh, it's just an excuse. Oh, it's just a cover up." But it's hard to imagine they would do that if they're leaving millions of dollars behind in months and months of work. Why would you do that? So it's like, hey, if you're putting your employees first, if you're legitimately worried about this, it sucks for the fans, especially all those people who want to go to PAX specific- specifically to play these games. You know, who are making the trip to Boston and who wanted to stand in line for however long they did. Like, that's what they were going there for, right? It was for that specific thing. But obviously, PAX badges are non refundable. So now they're very upset. Here's the thing, though. But yeah, again, you put your, if you are yeah. putting your employees first, like, I can't be mad at you. I am not. I'm, I'm gonna, this is going to come across very badly. It's fine. It's fine. No, it's fine. I'm sorry. We got your back. We got your um, back. Yeah. Have they never heard of the PAX plague? Like, people are going to get sick of this thing. Yeah, like, I got so sick there's from so that. many germs at PAX regardless, which, so right. I kind of understand. Maybe they're like, this is just a Petri dish, and it's asking for It trouble. is a freaking Petri dish. But, dish. <laughs> but also just like, then just never go to any con, because any con will have all sorts of gross diseases and people that are there all the time, and your employees are never going to be shielded from, and I'm just talking about disease in general, not right. coronavirus specifically, but... There will always be something there because there's just so many people and they're all touching all your shit. And like if you're not constantly spraying that down constantly. with Lysol, then yes, they're going to be exposed to germs. And that's I why mean, so PAX many people come back. Known thing. So many people come back from PAX and they're like, I am deadly ill. <laughs> yeah, I'm very ill. I got the PAX flu, the PAX plague. I think where the concern is coming in and maybe this is part... I don't again. I don't know enough about this virus. So I'm not going to speculate, but it's everyone. If you watch the media, it's doom and gloom. It everyone's feels like dying. Bird flu again. Everyone's getting sick. Every so it's so you, unknown, right? But I think that's the problem is that people like, aren't educating themselves on who it is that it's affecting. How how what's the age range of these people? Like how are they dying? But it's it's like the, these respiratory diseases 
always affect the same group. People with autoimmune deficiencies, Uh-oh. the very <laughs> young people, <laughs> and the very old people that have weakened immune systems. So somebody in my Twitter feed, like, blessedly was like, oh, I'm sorry, do you know somebody that has died from Ebola? No. no. Do you even know somebody that has ever contracted Ebola? No. no. That was a big fucking deal, Ebola. wasn't it? Do you know about somebody who ever got H1N1? Mm, Did they die no. from H1N1? Mm-mm. Cool. I thought I was dying, but no. But what, you had it? Oh, I got it. <laughs> oh, God. It was the sickest I've ever been. Also, influenza B, been there. Mm-hmm. It was like, I thought I was dying, mm-hmm. but it survived. Survived. <laughs> I lived. I was sick for like 10 days, <laughs> uh, but I made it through. Thanks, Tamiflu. That's a rhyme. Good job. Made it through. <laughs> That's a jingle. I believe it's a jingle. Um, <laughs> Marketing jingle. That was right when Tamiflu came on the market, too. Um, 2006. That was a long fucking time ago. Wow. Yeah, um, it was. So... My point here is not to downplay the severity of coronavirus. Correct. Yeah, obviously it's... Before you get your panties in a bunch and you're listening, being like, well, Andrea, you're not a doctor. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. Can I say it again for the people in the back? I'm not a doctor. None of us here are doctors. I just know one. (laughs) I just play one on TV. I don't play one on TV. Genetically connected to me. That's all I know. So here's the thing. I think this is a gigantic mistake. I cannot fathom or comprehend why Sony decided to do this. And that's okay. I don't need to understand. Um, I am frustrated on behalf of all of our fans and everybody else who was very excited to go play the games that were going to be featured in PlayStation's booth. I'm also very disappointed and sad for all of the developers who had planned and now probably don't have time to make other arrangements to show their game in a different in a different setting because now they have to get their own tech, their own TVs, their own stations, their own computers, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, and like they probably can afford it. Right? And so like the whole thing just feels like a, a giant like what the fuck moment to me. Unless... Plot twist. Dun, dun, dun. We all get the coronavirus packs and they were the smartest ones. And they're the smart ones sitting pretty while we're all like, (laughs) they were like, we told you. And we're like, oh shit, why are you laughing at us? We're all very sick. And if you are truly concerned for your health and safety at packs, that's totally okay. Well, I mean, I would say don't go. I would say go. I would say just take precautions. Get a respirator mask, not just one of those weird. Hot, yeah, don't like, just get. Yeah, you have masks. to get. Like, you have to get a, a respirator mask. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, purchase one that's great and, and and actually does its job, and make sure that you are not hugging people, that you are washing your hands, and you're just taking care of yourself. These are just basic practices. Everyone at our meeting, I'm sorry, I'm gonna be like, I'm not shaking your hand. <laughs> should we just do a fist bump policy? Yes, at the we yeah. should. Okay, I'm down with that. So everybody listening, this plenty to come to Boston. We're going to do a fist bump policy at PAX. Everyone yep. bumps fists because the outside of your knuckles are, are, are pretty safe. Should be safe. Look, yeah. Just stop licking your hands, Brittany, and we'll be okay. I'm a cat, Andrew. I can't help it. <laughs> 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 if you're not watching it, youtube.com slash what's good games. Maybe now's the time. Quality content. Um, anyway, I don't want to yeah. like dig in this belabor the point. Correct. I just, I'm disappointed. I'm upset. I think that coronavirus 100% is a serious thing that we should be cautious of, be mindful of, and monitor. I posted a video, a very informative and handy video that the World Health Organization made about what coronavirus is, where it came from, how it spreads, and what you can do about it. It's like a three-minute video. You can find it in my Twitter feed, but you can also just like Google coronavirus what is it and find like a bevy of options i would just encourage you to make sure that the information you're getting is from a reputable government agency that specializes Mm -hmm. in contagious diseases 
So whether it's the World Health Organization or here in the United States, we have the Center for Disease Control. A number of other countries have their own internal agencies. Just don't go to some down down some rabbit hole where you're going to get fed false information about how many people are dying and conspiracy theories about the Chinese government purposely planting this virus on their people. I spitted because I was so intense about it. Oh, I liked yeah. it. Anyway, moving Anyways. on. You're not going to be able to play The Last of Us Part 2. Wah, wah. Um, I think that what we should do before we get to this final story, since we should end the segment with it, is um, go to... The In Case You Missed It? In so. Case You Missed It. Brittany! Yo! Ooh, can I read the next one after Yes, her? you can. Great. Okay. So, in case you missed it, an Animal Crossing Direct is taking place Thursday, February 29th at 6 a.m. Pacific. That was yesterday. Wait, 29th or 19th? Wait, Oh, 29th. I fucked that up. I 20th. Like, I was like, yeah, that's not correct. Okay, I'll start that over. <laughs> <laughs> what year is it? I don't know. I don't even know where you are. An Animal Crossing Direct is taking place Thursday, February 20th at 6 a.m. Pacific. That was yesterday. It'll be 25 minutes and will feature an in-depth look at Nook Inc.'s deserted island getaway package. Mm. I do have an official Joy Noel statement because I reached out to her. I'm oh. like, I do not know a bigger fan than I you. I am so excited. I was like, tell me all of the things. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't have a Joy voice, so I'll just say it in my normal voice. <laughs> oh my God. I'm very excited about tomorrow. I hope we get to see more of the crafting we'll be able to do in the game and maybe some new villagers in two eye emojis. Also interested in seeing how Nook Miles are integrated as secondary currency. Ooh. A little bummed pocket camp won't have any connection to New Horizons, but I'm so <laughs> excited to see that tropical vibe and customizations <laughs> and maybe some new furniture lines. Um, can, oh, we get heck a, yes. can we get a count on how many O's that was? Okay, how oh. many O's do you think that was? Uh, seven. That looks like more like 10. There was nine. Oh, shit. Oh, well, it was close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine O's. So wait, nine. do I price this right before oh, no. I win? Oh, mm, mm, mm. that mm. going over? You know, we didn't know. I don't want to ruin we, friendships we, here. We didn't have, we didn't we have, have rules. It's true. Okay. okay so Joey's very excited about crafting tropical things and new villagers and Nook Inc. Did you say Nook Inc? Nook, Nook Inc. Do we have to say it like that? Nook Miles, Nook excuse me. Yeah, um, Simer, I know you are looking forward to this game. I am. I'm, I'm not an Animal Crossing, like, fan in the sense that i haven't played i actually haven't played any before but i'm fucking stoked about this because it seems like a game that i would really like i just have never really i haven't owned a lot of nintendo platforms in the past like you were a handheld vita person i had, Sony I, person? had I did have a vita Wait, yeah you had the psp and the vita right i did yeah so i i, I tended to have more sony um handhelds versus nintendo ones and except for obviously like og game boy clearly mm-hmm. but I, so I, I'm so excited about this because I'm like, yeah, I wanted to run around. I want to just fucking catch butterflies, sell them to this guy. Shake trees. Really just Build my houses. overlord. No, Tom Nook is a terrible, terrible creature. Is he? What, what animal? He's basically a slumlord. He's the, he's the raccoon. Okay, but I saw a, a picture where he says he dedicates most of his money to charities. Oh, he's bull. That's bullshit. Oh, okay. I don't know. No, like, so Tom, are. you are the charity, basically. Wait, what? He's like... He's a raccoon, you right? You are forever. In, I've given you this house, but by the way, you owe me all of this money. Time and then charity. you are, and then it's like, but you can, you can, it's just like you're forever in debt to Tom Nook is kind of the whole thing of the game. Yeah. Okay. Here, wait. I see it. So Tom Nook is the little raccoon guy. Yes. Everyone hates Tom Nook. 
That should be a name of a story. Okay, I can't find anything. Anyway, so the other thing I thought was interesting about Animal Crossing. Um, I love that I found this random photo, you guys, of Tom Nook in a bathtub full of money. And it <laughs> yes. says, why Animal Crossing's Tom Nook is an evil capitalist villain. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is the Tom Nook stuff I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. A Jim McCandless on the Tom Nook. So I thought this was kind of a little interesting tidbit. Um, so Nintendo is Nintendoing. And they're kind of borking the saving system for Animal Crossing New Horizons. So Animal Crossing New Horizons isn't supported by Nintendo Switch online save data cloud backup. However, we are currently considering a function to backup save data uniquely for the software in case one Nintendo Switch console itself gets damaged, lost, or stolen. The use of this feature is limited to Nintendo Switch online subscribers. The implementation period has yet to be determined, but we'll make an announcement as soon as the decision is made. Then the website also reaffirms that players can, can only I create... Can I flip the table right now? No, you can't. It no, hurt. it's very big. You'd hurt yourself. The website also reaffirms that players can only create one island per console. For example, if you own two Switch consoles, you can't get the island data from one Switch and transfer it to another. So like, let's say we're all three people living under the same roof. We only have one Switch. Mm-hmm. If I have Animal Crossing, I can only create one island on yes. the Switch. You guys could not, like, if we were sharing the console, you guys could not create your own world, your own island. Yeah. And if Steimer, like, gets mad and she, like, runs away with my Switch, I lose my data because it's not saved in the cloud currently. Why is this still a thing? I don't, I don't know. know. Why is Nintendo so freaking bad at this? I don't, I don't know, know. But you know what they did real well? Making that Animal Crossing themed Switch because yes, I want it very yeah, badly. Yeah, but you can put a skin on your Switch and do the same thing. It is cute. Wow. And the coral one's really nice too. You can also put one. a coral skin on your regular colored Switch and do the no, same thing. No, no, it's, it is fascinating. I know we talked about this a lot on the show. <laughs> I feel very tech. This is such I'm just, not you. No. I'm just like I'm, listen. I I <laughs> have been playing my Switch. Like John and I, have we all been, love like, our Switch. Nintendo's our making love them. of Luigi's Mansion Three because we put it down. Then we're back, yeah. Brittany. I just. Girl, I know. Girl, I know. They're trying to reinvent the wheel. You don't got it. Or just like the wheel works great. Pick it's up the 2020. wheel. I mean, why are there cloud saves for everything? I don't yeah. know. Or I, like I why if I like bought a different <laughs> Switch, I wouldn't be able to get my eye. Like if I if I started off on my own Switch mm-hmm. and was like, you know what? Fuck it. I want to treat myself. I'm going to buy this fancy Switch. Yeah, you are, girl. I have to start all over. <laughs> and I'm like, and that's the part where I'm like, I need to decide right now if I'm buying this or not because yeah. like that's not a thing I'm going to do. And I'm not so I'm not f- at that point in my life where I'm willing to do this. Yeah, I'm not so familiar with Animal Crossing. I know for certain games like Pokemon and is it Smash, maybe they don't have online save, save functionality because they're worried about people manipulating it for cheating. Blah, blah, blah. But it's Animal Crossing. It's Who Animal cares? Crossing, yeah. And it's, it's that thing that we've talked about so many times on the show. Obviously, we love Nintendo. We love the products they put out. But like they make these weird decisions that it's if this was anyone else making these decisions, we'd all be like, Andrea would try to flip this table, flipping tables. I mean, it's still Nintendo and she did try to flip the table. She did try, but we we stopped her. I mean, you could have totally flipped this, let's be clear. <laughs> You're a very strong guy. Yeah. <laughs> we're so buff. Yeah, but it's weird. They do these things and we're like, Well, Nintendo's gonna Nintendo, but I mean, and that's just the reality of it. They're not gonna change. They're not. No, and like but well, you can't tell people don't buy Animal Crossing because they're, no. they're you know what I, I know what you're saying. But this has nothing to do with the software, right? Like it has nothing to do with the inherent characteristics of the game as a game. It has to do with platform Service, connectivity, yeah. of course, and it has yeah. to do with functionality from a back end server infrastructure perspective. And like to me, it is unacceptable that Nintendo is not caught up to its competition. No one is expecting it to be where PC is, right? Because that's like a, a large gully for it to get to. But like, if you can't even match what like an Xbox One S is doing, 
Like, what are you even doing right now? It's Nintendo. They they're can get making away with Animal it. Crossing. And they're making Animal Crossing and Zelda and Mario games. I'm just like, Luigi. it's just so frustrating to me because I, I, listen, and like, it's tough because whenever I go on these rants, people are like, what is Andrew? I fucking hate Nintendo. I go, I don't love, hate, I, I don't I, hate Nintendo. I have so I many love, feelings about Nintendo. I love Nintendo. It's hard Nintendo. to describe. It. it was my first console and like, I have fucking Nintendo art all over my house and like, I love people that work at Nintendo. My thing is like, I just get so frustrated that like, we as consumers are told that you're going to pay $300 for this console. You're going to pay $80 for these expensive controllers. You're going to pay this and this and this. And then we're going to handcuff you with these archaic online requirements. And we can't even put fucking voice chat on our console. Uh The fact that the features that were in the 3DS are not one-to-one in the Nintendo Switch is mind-boggling to me. Not that long ago, Brittany and I did a little featurette with our friend Victor Lucas over mm-hmm. at Electric Playground. It was a couple weeks back. We posted it on Twitter where he asked us, hey, can you give us some thoughts on the 3DS as Nintendo sunsets this, you know, really innovative console? We said, yes, of course, the 3DS was amazing. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, I could actually pull up a fucking internet browser on my 3DS, but I can't on my Nintendo Switch. I have nothing to say to no, this. No, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. Backwards. And in a perfect world, I'd love. I mean, I'm sure Nintendo's listening. They say they're incorporating things. Blah I don't know blah that blah. Listening. But I'm sorry. I'm I'm a little keyed up, and I went on a little bit. No, more no, you're allowed to do that. I, I love you I'm for sorry. your step back now. No, no, I love you for your raw emotions. I'm just bringing some uh, to this conversation. No, it's just the thing where it's like they don't have to do anything. Well, they they could make their Nintendo Switch. They, they can make well I'm saying Nintendo can make their Switch like part little like horse shit and people would still buy it even though they have to touch horse shit every time they pick it's up the console gross. but it's that's true that's just gross it's very gross but it's very true I don't know that that's true oh absolutely <laughs> true I would touch horse shit every day if it meant I could play the next Zelda game Whoa, or Fire Emblem I don't know that I would. or Pokemon I would, to I would absolutely I'm part of the problem is what I'm saying I will play the horse shit console and even though like no one else is making horse I wouldn't. shit consoles I'm sorry uh, okay, even if it's let, Animal Crossing let's walk this back no Listen, one you had your boba Andrew let me have mine no one's saying it's horse shit no okay no no, she meant, I thought you I did mean literal. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no. Okay. <laughs> okay, let me be very clear. I was like, no, I'm out. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm the shark. I'm, I'm out. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing it. No, I said if Nintendo like put literal horse shit inside their console, we would even because we were us to touch. We would still touch. No, see, okay, you are no. talking literally. Yes, yeah, but I mean, like their their console isn't horse shit. Okay, we're off the rails. Uh, yeah, you let's, know what? Fuck it, we're off the rails. Real, real All I'm saying me. is Nintendo can do anything, and I will buy their shit and I will play it. There you go, shit. That's again. fair. Let's move on. Yeah, let let's. To another, uh, to another fun Nintendo topic. Always buy your things. On that always. note, Steimer wanted to read this next one. I sure do. Oh this is my about God, my boy. <laughs> my boy! My boy Blue! The- uh, <laughs> so, Uncharted movie update. <laughs> Tom Holland, adorable tiny man, uh, talked about Uncharted, the Uncharted film to IGN. Quote, I think what Uncharted offers that most video game films don't is that it's an origin story to the games so if you played the games you haven't seen what's going to happen in the film holland said and if you haven't played the games you're going to enjoy the film because it's information that everyone else is getting at the same time but i'm super excited to make that movie and it's been a long time coming i read the newest draft of the script on the way over here and it's one of the best scripts i've ever read it really really jumps off the page so one of my favorite things to add to these in case you missed it segments are the uncharted updates i feel like we've been doing this for a while now we've covered the six directors that they've lost yeah it's been great and in other articles he did say and i didn't include it in here my bad that they plan to start shooting in four weeks which i, I was i was like shenanigans i call shenanigans because how are you 
How? How do you start filming a movie without a director tied to the project? What are you going to film? Doesn't someone have to be there being like, I'm making these decisions? If you're not, then what the... You're not going to make a film by committee. What are you doing? Tom Holland, are you the new director of this movie? Sure. You can. I mean, you may as well try at this point. This could be your directorial debut. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad way to go. It wouldn't. And then the thing and that blew... thing might actually finally get done. The thing that blew Andrea's mind is that Mark Wahlberg is playing Sully. Listen, I don't know how I missed this I news. did. I also missed this news. I was, I was like... Pfft. Mind blown. I was like, literally when I read this story about Tom Holland starting shooting in four weeks, I was like, wait, they announced Mark Wahlberg and fucking size? What's going on? <laughs> yes. That was exactly oh, what listen, happened. I like Wahlberg. Wal- 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 I like Wal- Mark Wahlberg a lot, is what Sounds I was trying good. to say. People have mixed feelings about him, which I understand, but I think he's great. And so when I heard this, I was like conflicted because part of me is like, yay. And part of me is like, oh, no. Part of me is like, he's definitely not old enough to be Sully. Well, no, because this Drake. is young, right? Yeah. So like Sully yeah. would be a lot younger. Think about right. the flashback, right? It's it's the, and that's the other part. I'm like, he's like, you haven't seen what's going to happen. I'm like, we did get a flashback. We've had flashbacks of Nathan Drake as a young child. Was Sully in that flashback? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, the black hair, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. It's okay. It's a pass. Okay. I'll pull up a cutscene. Um, I think there's just something about the demeanor of Sully that I don't know if I actually I think he could. I think Mark he could do it. Pulling off. I think they just. But I want him to, to do him. it well because I like I like him, and I know a lot of people think he's shit, but I think he's great. Aww. When I read this, I was like, he thinks it's one of the best scripts he's ever read. He's read some Spidey scripts too, right? That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Also, his favorite. But I'm games also worried. Core. I don't know. I'm worried. Tom is just blowing a bunch of smoke up our ass. Do you he's think he's that? I yeah. Huh. I, well, or like I think he's just so excited to be working on this thing. Granted, he's also fucking Spider Man, so like I, mean, I don't know. I mean, he's worked on the Avengers. So he's I worked on like a lot of good projects. He has a lot to lose if he pumps this script up and it's actual garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has felt also, the vitriol of the nerd fan base so he knows exactly what's coming his way if this goes south yes and no. i don't know that he's gotten like has he gotten a lot of hate for anything that he said no i don't mean necessarily him specifically but he's certainly seen been the way that the fandom can turn on you very quickly when it comes to like nerd culture properties right like when he's worked with marvel obviously like right that fan base like either loves you or hates you. You know, I feel like there's like no in between. Yeah. And they're very vocal about what they love and hate. The good news is we have very low expectations for video game films. Yes. So Tom, True. the bar buddy, is very low. Yeah. You put can on blow your this director out of the hat. Do the then thing. Go ahead and put, put on so your actor hat and make this fucking movie. Cause we want to see it at some point before I die. Like, I mean, I would I, trust Mark Wahlberg to direct it over Tom Holland. Oh, that's true. He's directed shit. He has. And he, that's what I'm like. Okay. He's actually done a pretty decent you've job. You've got actors here who can do just, just get one of them. <laughs> just come on, at do this it. point, no one wants to direct this movie, which I don't understand, which is why I'm also, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I'm like, if, right, if the script is fucking amazing, wouldn't a director want it? Wait, hold on. Wasn't the last director, wasn't the room? I don't know. The, the reason they left was because of he, Tom Holland had to start shooting Spider-Man things. So how could they start? It was a, yeah, it was a scheduling conflict. Wasn't right. It? But if he's going to start shooting for, I don't know, stay tuned to the next in case you missed some I mean, good games. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we, nobody knows whether or not Tom Holland is smoking crack, but I, I guess we will find out. 
Yeah. It'll He's a very talented man. I was dance, looking for Mark a lot of Wahlberg's things. credits as a director on IMDb. And I see a lot of his producer credits. Maybe he's a producer, mm-hmm. not a director. Has he actually ever directed anything? No idea. Mm-hmm. Don't because most actors once they reach much. a certain a certain stage in their career get producer credits because they mean it means they make more money on it, which yeah. is not surprising. Get your money. I feel like Brad Pitt has directed things or George mm-hmm. Clooney. Just get one of them. Both, maybe. Possibly. Maybe neither. Maybe we're just literally we're making just naming this shit up actors at this point. Trying to attach a name to John this film. John Goodman. So He's totally been the director, right? But we're just like, please, for the love of God, Brady's make like, a movie. Who's John Goodman? I know. Brad Pitt. Do you, right, well. do you know any John Goodman films? Uh, maybe. I put her on the spot because she doesn't. Oh, I'm not going to lie. If you name some films that are popular, big, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. But like off the top of my head, can't say anything. Before we go down this rabbit hole, because this has been a long segment and we have a very special interview I want to get to. We will put a pin in this because it sounds like a fantastic Patreon segment that we should do at some point. Has Britney seen John Goodman films? No. That's what I thought you were Let's talk about everything Britney's never seen. Oh. (laughs) No, no. Give me the title of the movie and I'll tell you what I think it's about. Yes. That definitely is a segment we should do. Yes. Okay. Perfect. So um, next month when we're polling... For her Patreon segment, somebody please remember that this idea came up. <laughs> it was like, make Britney guess movie plots. Yes. <laughs> It'll be perfect. I think I, I think this was a thing I did once when I was drunk with a bunch of people. Oh, that great. sounds great. Yeah. yeah. I feel really like good. this is like a board game waiting to happen. Yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't already exist. What's the plot of this movie? It's this. So our last story of the week is a little bit of a contentious slash sad one. So you may have seen that over at Polygon.com, there was a feature article about GameStop. The title of the article is called GameStop Employees Report Extreme Pressure from Desperate Bosses. Colin Campbell put this long piece together and shout out and credit to him for really kind of doing his due diligence and noting these different sections of the story. But we decided... We didn't want to just talk about this story in our context. We wanted to reach out to a member of our community who is a former GameStop employee to get his perspective. So we reached out to at Endorphins SC one Drew it's a very french any name that britney was like <laughs> it got real throaty it was perfect endorphins is a great member of our community and we have gotten to meet him at various you know kind of funny events and other things in the past and so i knew that he'd been with gamestop for a while we had talked about it obviously i was working with gamestop for a number of years at one point and I wanted to hear from him about what this article meant and kind of his perspective. And it was very different than the picture painted by Colin in this article. Very, I would say, almost opposite of almost every bullet point that Colin mentioned. He was like, my experience was very different. And so I think that's important to kind of see both sides because clearly a company as large as GameStop is going to have employees with multiple points of view because it spans not only the United States, which in and of itself is large, but multiple countries around the world as well. So if you guys want to see the article again, polygon.com is where you can find the GameStop article from Colin, which, you know, you should go and read first. 
or you can listen to our fantastic interview that we had with Drew about his experience about the article and kind of like the inner workings of GameStop and where he thinks the company is and where it's going and kind of his experience with some of these allegations that are in the article. So without further ado, enjoy our interview. What's good, everybody? We are here on set recording another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, but we wanted to take a little break from the show to have a special interview with special guest, Drew. Let me help you. That's Wow. That was beautiful, Brittany. Thank you. Brittany, this is why we love you. Drew, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. So Happy listen, to be here. I've heard your voice so many times over chat. Obviously, we've gotten to meet at, at the kind of honey events, and he is a proud member of the What's Good Guardians. But we're here today to talk about this GameStop drama that is once again in the news uh, because both Drew and I are former GameStop employees. So Drew, um, thank you again for taking the time to be here. So what did you think when this report broke on Polygon? So I had the opportunity, I think I tweeted at Colin before he was drafting this, to send something in. But a lot of what I knew he was going to get in submissions doesn't quite fit with what I want to share. So like this opportunity is great because there's always these articles. And not to it's, interrupt you, but just to clarify, right. he's referring to Colin Campbell at Polygon right. who wrote this giant review. Uh, it's not a review. It's like an expose, essentially. Uh, right. So if you guys do want to read the entire thing, of course, polygon.com is the place to do that. But please continue. I can't really hold it against any of the writers who write a lot of these articles. Every now and then someone will write an article that just sounds more attacking physical games and retail in general. So I don't really know those people. But I know Colin and I interacted with him briefly before he started drafting this. And I respect his work and I really appreciate that they're writing these and they're reaching out to GameStop employees, former and current employees, to write these. What I want to share is that there's a perspective, the positive store leaders, assistant store leaders, or um, third keys that are there, the management of a store that you might go to. Everyone's going to have a different experience, and the people that are at your local store may make or break your feelings towards the company. And so kind of, I'm on here today to kind of talk to you about how we feel about circle of life, the like pushing of uh, pre-orders or, or incentives or promotions on, on guests and how we feel that's message to us and, and how we take that mindset and then deliver it to you. Because when I took over the store, I had been an assistant store leader and we were top 10% in the company. We we're a low volume store. And when I came to the store to be an assistant store leader, it was with someone I'd worked with before, and I knew coming in, it was like, okay, this store is a work in progress. Um, it's kind of a fixer-upper. We have to work on the selling culture here. And, and when I say by that, selling culture, I don't mean that we're trying to push things on people. What I mean is if someone's a fan of a Japanese role-playing game or a visual novel and they come into our store, what my job is, it's not that I'm forced to hand them a list to reserve a game. It's that I want to talk to them about the games they might like, recommend things they might not have thought to try or play or that that they're even aware is coming out, let them know about it, and then make sure that I'm able to have a copy at my store for them. Because the way that the corporate business model works is if the game isn't a big blockbuster game like a Call of Duty, they're not going to order or buy from the vendor as many copies of that game. 
um, as you would, you know, get for, oh, we're going to have a lot of extra of EA games or Activision games. Well, that's pretty standard, though, across retail in general, right, is that you Correct. order more of the more popular items and less of the ones that aren't as popular. Exactly. And so a lot of what we want to do is when we're told, you know, like we have metrics and we're going to follow them, we want to get reserves or we want to get trades it, or we want to get a pro card sign up. The way I treated it was like customer education and information dispensing in a way that was like just your friend talking to you. So me recommending a game to you or recommending you get this pro card, it's sort of I'm going to give you a scenario where this would help you save money. And it's letting you know, hey, if I, my family members were going to you know, buy games, you know, every new $60 release that comes out, here's how I'd have them do it and here's how I'd recommend for you to do it. And in addition to that, if there's a game that you're not – aware of or the game that you're interested in everywhere is going to have this term like pre-order or reserve and it's going to mean something different whether it's the playstation store or a retailer so like some places like will charge before it ships and that's the full amount some places are going to charge right away and it's not refundable and what the gamestop employees that want to give you a good experience when you come to our stores what we want you to know is that it is only a $5 deposit. It's like you are just putting $5 in our computer system to placehold that game. You can still come into the store, have a good interaction with us, even if it that day may hurt our number, like one number of a reserve. It's you coming into the store and being like, hey, I'm not actually going to get that game. I changed my mind. And we're like, okay. And you can still put that towards any purchase. And in most cases, whatever currency you used is how you're going to get it back. So if you traded in the game for it, you're going to get a like a gift card, store card. Right. If so it's I don't want cash, to get, sorry to interrupt. I, I don't want to get too in the weeds with like how the business. That was pretty much the end of my weeds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> about like how the business about how the business works. I think really what we want to hear from you and your perspective as somebody who's worked with the company because like I obviously worked with the company in a very different capacity than you Absolutely. did, and you and I have had several conversations about the differences between my experiences and your experiences with GameStop as a company. And I think, you know, just to be clear, this is, I have no ill will towards GameStop. I had nothing but a 100% right. positive experience working with them. And I was really excited about some of the ideas they had to kind of reinvigorate and, you know, really reinvent their brand. And I think the reason why we really wanted to chat is because this article that Colin wrote um, paints mm -hmm. a much different picture than that. It paints a really desperate picture, a picture of a company that's clearly hemorrhaging money and hemorrhaging sales opportunities and revenue opportunities and saying, how do we hold on? And really, it seems to me from the interviews that he's done at the expense of some of their employees, and we know that we've heard these horror stories from GameStop employees several right. times over the last decade of saying like, you know, well, this happened here and this happened there. And it's really tough to kind of nail that down as a company philosophy when you have over 4,000 stores in the United States alone. You know, maybe it's a couple bad actors at the regional level, even a couple bad, bad actors at the, you know, the city level, let alone going up to, you know, the, the executives that run the entire strategy. So I think it would be good to maybe address a couple of these specific points that Colin brought up in, in the article. So one of the Absolutely. quotes... Um, so one of the quotes that I have here is from one assistant manager. Obviously, all these people remained anonymous because they don't want to get fired. Mm -hmm. um, says, the company is frantic and distrustful. You can feel it in every message they send. The structure is falling apart and they're scrambling. So just real quick, 
because I definitely want, obviously want to hear you. Um, right. I've never been an employee of GameStop. We have done like a one-off project with them at one point, but the, uh-huh. I'd love to hear your, like when you respond to these, obviously the feeling I got from reading this Polygon article was that the employees want to have like that friendship that you were just talking about, right. When it comes to um, interacting with the customers and whatnot. Um, but it, that love of video games. Yeah, that love of video games. Like having that conversation with your friend, yeah. right? But it sounds like corporate, from the quotes, is pushing all these things on them that are making them feel really uncomfortable, right? Like pushing them in a way that's making them feel not authentic with their customers. So mm-hmm. like, that's the feeling I got. So I just want to like, want to put that out there because like I read the whole article and it's a doozy. So a lot of what they're feeling now. We, I was at the conference. We had a new CEO. We had a reboot program, kind of like a chance for the company to get on a new foot and, and change what they're doing. And I went to the manager conference last year, and I saw some of that, uh, the promises or the perspective that they had, like at a corporate level, down to us. And I think a lot of the store leaders then left very like excited and amped up, knowing that the corporate messaging then was that it's we're like one of the last bastions of, of physical game retail. And it's what you said, it's having those interactions and it's letting people who care about buying physical games, have those experiences at our store and hopefully continue to have those shopping experiences and, and, and getting their games through us, you know, opposed to our retailer competition. Um, the thing that I think changed after we got back from conference going into this holiday season was it's, of course, always going to be the end of a console life cycle. It's going to be a hard season when corporate's going to look at their sales goals and how they set those goals, sometimes which are just based on a previous year. And they're going to talk to the store in a way that is, you know, like you said, uh, and like the article says, and like some of these people are expressing it feels like the structure and the employees themselves are feeling frantic and feeling the pressure from corporate because the sales goals are not being met. And what I want to share from that as a store leader, I remember having this Borderlands 3 launch event planned and a few weeks out getting really excited for Borderlands 3, thinking a lot of people are going to get this game, play it locally. It has local play i won't get in the weeds you know borderlands 3 the features it had and the fact that it's a game that you can just get off your 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 disc put it in your system and you can play with people who are next to you and play with people online or play single player it was an easy it's a sell ge- yeah it's an yeah it's an easy sell and it's a game i thought okay whether somebody buys this digital or not this is a game that people who don't want to deal with a 80 gig download for this game people who don't tip their toes into the digital water are going to want to come and get this game from us. And we had a high percentage to plan. And last year I saw Mortal Kombat, Madden, a lot of games. We were my store 200% to our, our reservation plan. So we actually were the inverse of what a lot of these people who shared were, which is feeling like they were 50% to a plan or 75% to a plan set on these sales goals. So, so I know say, so some of that's in the weeds. So when you say people who shared, you mean people who spoke to Carl in, the article, in his article? Who spoke to Carl. So yeah. you're saying the stores that they represented were the complete opposite of the picture that you guys had in your individual store. And, and in some cases in my district, which right. around August before this conference, they did see some morale drop because a lot of the – this was an article about the firings, the – a lot of district leaders and regional leaders were let go or their jobs were kind of 
became redundant and they almost gerrymandered district like they redistrict uh so from august on my district was actually different than it was january to august for the sales year so that was interesting not as much a morale thing some people lost their district leader which was a big blow and that's why they say the structure feels like it's changing because we hadn't really seen corporate make a decision about pay and about these jobs for our our bosses and their bosses we hadn't seen that shift and i had been with the company five and a half years and we hadn't seen district leaders and downsizing in that area you know you see stores close you see new ones open you see them do different models with this new store idea of the gaming store that you can play and compete in and then this like retro theme store but we didn't see district leaders and regional leaders kind of either removed from their jobs or kind of let go with severance and things like that. So I, I want to take a pause here to talk about district leaders. I'm glad you brought this up. Obviously, every company and corporation has a hierarchy in an organization chart, right? An org chart. We Anybody who's worked in a business that has more than three employees, <laughs> right. um, you know, has some kind of an organization chart. And uh, so district leaders are part of that for GameStop. So one of the quotes in Colin's article came from an, a, another anonymous assistant manager that says, there's a level of distrust between the DL, the district leader, and the stores. Our DL reviews the transaction records every week and will write down the exact number of transactions when we didn't offer the full trade pitch and will then take disciplinary action for each of those employees. This seems like a very high-pressure sales situation in a company that prides itself on its relationships with its consumers. Did you feel this pressure when you were working? Not only did I not feel that, I didn't really hear of stories like that. So, so when I know that, people who – You're saying that you did not feel this pressure in your didn't, store. I never felt that pressure, nor did I hear that level of uh, – even like I said, people sharing with me at conference. I never heard that level of, I'd say, micromanagement or accountability because that's what the term they would use for it would be. Um, that's the best word I could think of is, the, is a, a district leader – and, and, and the store leader and the assistant store leader having that distrust because of like either accountability or micromanagement. I didn't see that level. If and, and granted, I know I was blessed to have like my district leader, I think is one of the better ones in the company, but even neighboring district leaders, they might have their quirks or their personality traits of the way that they do things with their store leaders or hold their store leaders to a certain standard. I'd hear some stories about those and be like, you know, pick and choose. I don't like that. That's okay. That I really don't like that one thing, but I've not heard of those kinds of things happening. So not to that level. Yeah. So it feels like just based off your anecdotes that you're sharing with us now, and obviously the people that Colin article or excuse me, that Colin interviewed for the article is, are just a handful and right. that you are obviously just representing your own opinion. It seems like what you're saying is at odds. And like, obviously, I have said that a lot of the opinions I have are at odds with some of these stories that right. we've, we've heard come out. And I'm, to be clear, not taking away from the people that have, you know, expressed their opinions, but I feel like it makes it hard to paint a picture for how GameStop is doing overall from a culture perspective within its own walls. I mean, but you have 4,000 stores. Like, clearly there's going to be a range there. And I, right. I don't know how many district leaders there are. But to me, I'm like, your sample size needs to be significant in order to actually get a sense of culture. I no, completely you're 100% agree. right. Yeah. It sounds like 
if if the people who shared are in a district and which you know they might have 16 stores in their district at 20 stores in their district with the redistricting that could be 20 it could it, sometimes between 15 and 20 i could imagine having a single root of this overbranching tree you know a single root being corrupted that way i don't really know how widespread that kind of behavior is because that is in this article things like that shock me because i heard them two or three four years ago from jason schreier's article with reports and i hadn't really heard of i think it was a new york store leader had almost like yelled at his employee in the back for selling a new product instead of a pre-owned product Mm. those that and the thing we just (laughs) we just read i haven't heard of those and those do seem like the one percent case and it also seems like a bad actor or a um a a maybe a personality and a leadership style that doesn't bring your people up is not only going to like inhibit those people from their best potential, but it's going to make them feel that way. And it's going to make, it's going to bleed out into the customers because the customers are going to come into that environment. Um, And so, like I said, I can't really speak to those kind of wild examples because I think the problem with these articles and Christine mentioned the sample size, you're not having hundreds of people like me write into these, especially if we're, if we're happily working and busy or we're, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not. We don't have something passionate. We're just like, I really care, but I don't also don't want to do anything to mess this up. Oh, Drew, are you trying to say that people who are happy don't bother to leave positive feedback? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's like, what we I'm saying. That's why I've never written an expose, and this is my first time <laughs> talking about it with okay. somebody. There's a quote in this article that I would like you to talk about, Drew. Um, Absolutely. <clears throat> One employee who left the company last year said the company would always make us shove promotions down customers' throats. They would coach us if we weren't constantly bothering our customers by trying to get them to pre-order a game or sign up for a rewards card. I've never seen a company so focused on tracking an associate's sales metrics and performance in a job that isn't commission-based. So I go to GameStop quite frequently, actually. I love going there. Mm -hmm. It's just fun. I'm among my people there. And I have noticed definitely uh, a lot more upselling or attempts at upselling obviously because like that's what you're supposed to do when you're in a company's upsell people and like make more pre-orders but it definitely feels more like if i go in let's say to buy an rpg it's like well have you heard of this fps have you heard about the new consoles have you heard about this collector's collector's edition stuff that isn't necessarily related to what i'm purchasing and stuff that feels like more like i'm just gonna fire off a bunch of shit and hope something sticks don't get mad at them i don't fault them because i know what they're trying to do but did you experience anything like that too um so I, my perspective, and that's what I was starting to share with earlier, is I never felt like I was being told that I should go up to a customer and just throw stuff until it sticks. Um, this is why I brought up the conference, the manager conference we went to. What my, what my district leader talked to us about and what my peers and I talked about before this conference was, oh, it sounds like they're going to do this new training thing at conference the good stores have already been doing that. And what I mean by that is the good stores and the good leadership at those stores and in the districts were already having their customers be interacted with in a way where, say, I'm in the employee and I would walk up. I would ask you how you're doing, but I would give you moments to browse shop and I wouldn't like 
immediately yeah. walk up to you and create a confrontation. Right, but Drew, I don't think we're trying to compare individual employees against each other because you're always going to have better sales people than others, right? There's always mm-hmm. going to be people who are better at their job. I think what we're trying to get a sense of from you having been with the company for multiple years mm-hmm. and talked and having you know spoken to several other people in districts or regions outside of your own is to like – did you hear these from your peers, not within your store? Because I think it's clear that you right. were in a store that seemed to have a pretty healthy and positive relationship, not only with your coworkers, but also, also with your customers. Mm-hmm. But is this article something that people should be concerned about? Is this a pervasive culture thing within GameStop at large? Or is this something that is just indicative of a large company having some disgruntled people within its walls, which I feel like every large company suffers from. I'd have to say that the uh, the actual associates, the employees who spoke up in the article, they're feeling a disconnect between this new training that was implemented at conference and what's currently being asked for uh, of, of store leaders and associates to engage with their guests about. And I'll, I'll elaborate. So the training was basically to greet guests engage with them in a less aggressive way, a passive way that's open-ended questions, friendly, a few relevant things to what they're interested in. And around holidays, it was no tears on Christmas, making sure people have kind of just an idea of everything they need for a product they're interested in. No one wants to cry on Christmas. Right. Yeah. You don't (laughs) want them to open up their Xbox, not have that extra controller or Xbox Live or something, those kinds of things. And you don't want the parent who doesn't know about all those kinds of things. So it's in going up and suggesting you're not actually directed as far as I know. And, and for most district leaders and my peer store leaders, we didn't feel like we were directed to go up to a guest and ask them to, you know, questions about every single upcoming release across all genres. It wouldn't be ask open-ended questions about the kind of games they like or lead off with what was the last game you played that you really loved going from that point it should feel natural because you're actually asking them open-ended questions and then you know what to say, not we're telling you what to say. I never felt like there were scripts and in corporate messaging that goes to every store that I can speak to, I never felt like there were scripts. Um, I feel like if your store was uh, resisting and or struggling in a lot of areas, there could be situations where they had sent out scripts and okay. I haven't seen any of those with my own eyes, and I haven't seen district leaders or store leaders talk to me about that or or, or send demonstrations or even – I haven't even seen them on Reddit. Right. But I will say this. Um, that was the training that was implemented as a all employees must catch up to this, and this is a August manager conference, positive customer engagement reboot to the training. I think what I would love to end this with because you know we've taken Absolutely. enough of your time and uh, we have a lot more to talk about this week – um, is this final kind of final words that Colin wrote in his article saying a small number of the employees who contacted us were angry about media portrayals of GameStop as an avaricious company or one that is facing extinction. Judging by anecdotal evidence, GameStop staff members are frequently subjected to rudeness and abuse by customers, which is sometimes fueled by negative coverage of the company, especially on social media. 
One manager said, I really want to get a fair representation of GameStop out there. I don't think we're all bad. We try to do an awful lot of good. I think senior managers have excellent intentions and are trying their best to steer us in that direction, end quote. But almost all the employees Polygon spoke to expressed a broadly negative view of the company's strategies and its prospects. Said one, they don't listen to the employees. We need managers who have actually worked in the stores, who listen to store managers. I worked for a blank retail chain in the last few years, and while we're not there yet, I definitely see some warning signs. And that's how he ended the article. So it seemed like it was like a, oh, GameStop is always portrayed being kind of gross and bad, and employees don't want that. But Here's then it was like, gross and, bad and then at the very end, it's like, well, actually, zing, this guy said this. So like, I mean, it left me really kind of scratching my head a bit, Drew, going, so do GameStop employees like working for GameStop or do they don't? And obviously, you cannot speak for all employees. There are tens of thousands of employees that work for GameStop around the world. Um, and no one person's experience is going to match another's because the cultures and the regions around the country just in the United States are very different. And so the way that district leaders, regional managers, et cetera, et cetera, run their businesses are going to be inherently different. I think what we would like to hear from you to kind of like finalize and like put an end to our, our interview today is like, what would you like the people listening to the show, fans of What's Good Games, to kind of take away as you, Drew, a member of our community and somebody who's been mm-hmm. supporting us since day one and obviously part of our clans and things of, of, of like what you want people to take away from your experience working with GameStop. So one point on Borderlands 3, we had lost a lot of sales, physical sales to that game to digital. I think it was the first game that I felt the slide towards a real like a mo- real momentum shift towards wow, like this this one we expected to do a lot of physical copies for. It was We really got killed by people already buying digital copies. So if you like physical games and you, you want to buy physical games and you, you know, go into your GameStops and just be like, hey, I know you guys may have some conditions that aren't always great for you. I know that you guys are still here because you're passionate or because you really care about gaming and that's, what, that's why you're working here. Um if you go in and brighten their day, um, not only is that going to trickle upwards or if they see things and you talk to them about this kind of subject, if you start those dialogues, you're going to have a store that's going to interact with you better and you're going to have a store that's going to try to take some of these things we're talking about today up to their district leader or or up the chain. They're going to be able to send those things upwards. And when new staff comes on, they're going to be able to train those staff better. All I can say is that the reason you have this like contrast is because people are scared that these stores will go away and that physical media is dying. But if you know Gary Witta said something about it recently, if you care about physical media and you care about having a good experience with a GameStop, um, put that positivity out online. Talk to your friends about it. Start conversations about it, um, and go into the stores and talk to those associates. That's probably what I'd say because that's – wherever things end up financially, we don't have a lot of control over that as a, as a, as a customer. Now that I buy stuff there and I'm, I don't work there, I don't have a lot of control over that other than just supporting them and getting my stuff there. As a, you know, a store worker or a district leader, you're not going to have too much sway over what corporate decides to do with the company and the directions they go. Um, so just put positivity out there and 
start these dialogues. That's what I'd say. Well, Drew, thank you so much for all of your time today and for your perspective. We, of course, love that you're part of our community here at What's Good Games. Um, where can people find you if they want to follow you and what you're doing online these days? I'm at Endorphins SC. That's South Carolina, but SC, it's not very clever. On Twitter, at Endorphins SC. Um, and what I'm doing nowadays, uh, I really am looking to start putting out this kind of positivity in both talks on streams and, and written stuff. So, But, I mean, you're always going to see me shouting out games that you might not have heard of or or you know when i'm passionate about something i talk about it so that's pretty much uh i i wear that on my sleeve and i'm not an anime avatar (laughs) (laughs) it's true you're a real boy it's just me yep and that's and come play with us in the destiny 2 clan in the next season you know and what's good guardians yeah man all right well drew it was great to see you take care have a great night we'll see you next time thanks so much and we're back Thank you so much to Drew for taking the time. We know this has been a whopper of a first segment, but we are going to talk about some games that we have been playing. When we come back, stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the second and final segment of the What's Good Games podcast. You're like, wait, the show is still going. Yes, it is, because <laughs> we have some... Unfortunately, f- yes. <laughs> No, it's actually, it's great But we- the way you said it, it was just kind of like, yeah, uh-huh. No, I think the problem is that we had a very long day shooting our special project. We Normally, we don't shoot the show. So I'm in bed by this time. I'm proud it's of you. True. Steimer's always like, I'm sleepy. And Brittany and I are like, let's party. <laughs> and then we're old. just really on the couch. Like, <laughs> and then she's, you know, well, yeah. Me. And then Steimer's always the one who feels really good the next morning. And then we're the ones with the big bags. We're all puffy, hungover. It, it's true. Steimer makes good life choices. Yeah, you're a real the adult. adult that she is. <laughs> I try. Yeah. Um, but before we get to my special Outriders preview, which I've been really anxious to talk about on the show, um, we have a message from our sponsor. And this week... First-hand impressions are brought to you by Bespoke Post. This winter, start a new routine to upgrade your everyday life with a monthly box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post sends people only the best stuff every month. So whether you're looking to commemorate an occasion with a champagne saber or toast perfectly aged winter cocktails, Box of Awesome has you covered. From styling and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. So one of the Box of Awesomes that I use every day that I'm in my home office is this fantastic desk kit that came with this beautiful leather like letter set that you write on and I have this really fancy time turner magnet um, and it just kind of like elevates my at-home work experience which I love but they have a new set of Box of Awesome that are currently available on the website and the one that I'm really got my eye on that I'm excited to try is the Cantina. Yes. So Brittany oh. and I are big fajita fans. It's true. We got some. I mean, nice. I like fajitas. I don't think you and I have ever shared a plate of fajitas. Uh, yes, we have, and it was at a restaurant, and they gave us mostly peppers, and I was like, I don't eat the peppers. Oh, I remember <laughs> that. And I was like, I, I love like, some oh, peppers. Where is the meat? 
Um, and so they have this cantina box that they're doing that has this great citrus juicer on it. It's got the skillet, the cast iron skillet that you it's see for you come in. Yeah. Or we're not sorry, this thing is cool. This so the thing. tortilla holder. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, so it's a really neat thing because you never really think about buying stuff like this for yourself. At least I don't. Like I never would have thought about buying a fajita skillet. No. Right? Ooh, that glass is cool. <laughs> but like the idea of being able to make mm-hmm. fajitas on a sizzling skillet at home sounds super cool because fajitas are super easy to make. And they, they even include that, fajita spices, uh, which I love in a little like cilantro herb, like garden in a cup. Yeah, that's you can right. grow your own cilantro. Oh my God. They have a carving kit. Yes. Yeah. So this is the one that Brittany wants to get. Oh my God. I want see, it. Samer, I am an artiste specifically in Microsoft Paint and I feel like this is a good way for me to hold my craft. Do you think I'm not also an artist? I mean, you are, but you're like a legit artist. I'm like, I told mm. Brittany the carve box from Bespoke Post is a great way for her to like up her artistry. This to go from cool. like Microsoft Paint to IRL artistry. I like this a lot. It's really neat. But my worry is it comes with a pocket knife and I'm not yet an adult. <laughs> uh, my family know, literally does not trust me with knives. You should have Jason supervise you. Oh, he does. I'm sure it'll be fine. When people see me with a knife, they run away. But no, I, the card looks really, really cool. <laughs> I don't blame them but that's a I truth do look forward to seeing your artistic works that come from this card box so if you guys want to get started you can take the quiz at box of awesome.com your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you <laughs> and they will release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories it's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel anytime each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. So to get your 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com, you need to enter the code what's good at checkout. That's boxofawesome, just like it sounds, dot com, boxofawesome.com, code what's good at checkout for 20% off your first box. And you too can soon Get better at life, IRL. It's true. All right, so you guys. Uh Tell us about the writers that are outside. The writers that are outside. (laughs) We first saw the Outriders at the Square Enix press conference at E3 last summer. Mm -hmm. I was really taken by surprise when this game was announced because I did not see this coming. I think we haven't heard from People Can Fly in quite some time and the fact that they are making a new shooter with Square Enix really like kind of caught me off guard but I was intrigued I love sci-fi I love shooters so I was like okay <laughs> lay it on me those three person co-op and oh I'm look t- there's three of us oh look there's three of us um, unfortunately because of timing neither of you could be at the event with me though we had Correct planned for all of us to be there together but I had some pretty amazing you did. substitute players. So one Alana Pierce, who was just on the show, got to play. And Mr. Andy Cortez from Kind of oh, Funny Games. Oh, that is a good group. Yeah, I, mean, I hadn't seen Andy have in a us, while. It's good you got a good B team. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the three of us got to play and it was all it was a lot of fun and we got to learn a lot about the game so let me pull up my notes here to talk about Outriders so if you're not familiar with People Can Fly as a studio they're really most well known for their work on the Gears of War franchise but they also put out a very kind of culty popular game called Bulletstorm Bulletstorm. yes so this game was a very like campy over the top shooter that leaned into being gratuitous yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And I really enjoyed Bulletstorm. But then they kind of broke off from Epic Games and they became quiet. They kind of went underground because they wanted to develop their own original IP. Thus, we now have learned that IP was Outriders. And the team over at Square Enix said, hey, we like what you guys are doing. Let's publish the game. So now they're publishing together. So the game is, I believe, slated for, yes, here it is in my notes, Holiday 2020. Um, it has been announced for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and PC. And the, like I mentioned, it was a three-player co-op. And the build that we played was a specific high-end PC build. So they were very clear. They're like, we're not talking about the new consoles. We're not talking about the specs of the new consoles. We're not talking about our game's performance on the new consoles. <laughs> we're talking about PC only. So that makes sense because yeah. a lot of that stuff, I would guess, is still yeah. under wraps, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so we got to play the game and I have some gameplay footage here. So while I talk about the game, I'm going to show you guys some of my gameplay footage. So if you guys are not watching the show, you're listening, maybe you want to come join us at youtube.com slash what's good games. Or you can just use your imaginations. I mean, or you could. can use your imagination. A, oh, look at you, fancy girl that did the thing. Yeah. So I'm realizing I didn't. Is there oh, audio I happening? The, I need yeah. To there's not muted. Give me so Andrew's being real fancy. We've talked about... She's still singing. I won't interrupt your beautiful singing. There we go. Be quiet, game. Hush you. Perfect. No. Okay. Hold on. Um, I'm just going to put the gameplay over the screen anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so on the screen, um, what you guys can see is some of my co-op gameplay. So there are um, three classes. So let me not get too far ahead of myself. So as you guys are watching my gameplay... Um, Outriders is set in a dark sci-fi universe in a new age, cutting edge console technology generation. There's no loot boxes and no pay to win. It's not (laughs) going to be a games of service. I just love how like everyone has to say that. When you announce a new game, now you have to say no loot boxes. I'm sorry. There's Star Wars ruined it for everybody. Yeah. I mean, literally, like this is the first question they get asked when they try to like head it off the pass. I'm glad they get ahead of it. So uh, we're playing on a planet called Enoch. So Essentially, the Outriders are an elite force of explorers that are trained to be boots on the ground. And what they are supposed to do is go to a new planet, because Earth is obviously dying in the future, yeah. I mean, and find us a right new inhabitable home. And they find this planet, Enoch. So they get down to the surface, and then lo and behold, there's an anomaly, which is like a weird energy source that changed the planet. Very anthem mm. feeling. Mm. So, so it's not like, something you can see. It's like a, a force. Yes. So I have. Uh, I'm going through my menu right now. Obviously, I'm very low level. This is all like low level. I like your gear. character's. Crust, I literally, but... yeah. I literally have a coat called the crusty, crusty coat. coat. That's an adjective you want your coats to have. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Outriders Bridges is... of the Awakened. <laughs> Battered boots. I like... I just oh, like, you I are like really just starting out here. Britches. That's oh, yeah. This is, like low, this is low-level stuff. So, Outriders is an RPG and shooter hybrid that mm-hmm. we've seen a couple of times in the space done really well. So, that means you're going to get a lot of customization of your gear, guns, and vehicles. There's a crafting system, and there's a world structure. So... We're going to get into that in just a second, the way that they structure difficulty within the worlds. So the kind of overall feel is sci-fi meets savagery. The visual identity, to me, looked a little bit like Destiny crossed with Gears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you look at like the way that the armor is structured and 
some of the planetary stylings. It felt a little bit more Destiny to me than Gears, but the gameplay felt a lot more Gears than I'm sorry, Destiny. did you say it is games as a service or not? It is not. not. It, it is not a games as a service. So don't plan on playing this game like you would play Destiny. Um, so what they called Twisted and Beautiful Gear, leaning into the RPG element, mm. there's going to be hundreds of unique models uh, of weapons and gear. Um, there's going to be four classes and eight skills per class. The three classes that we played at the preview event were the Pyromancer, which specializes in fire, fire. magic and aerial yeah, fire. and aerial maneuverability. Uh, the Tricksters, which manipulate time and space, and are the Assassin class, Ooh, which I felt like interesting. I felt like that would be a Stimer. And then, the and then of class. course, Brit's fave, the Devastator, the Face Tank, the Brute Force, yes, the, the, very the Heavy class. Yeah. And I had a lot of fun playing as the Pyromancer because they're more of like a mid-range character. So they do a lot more crowd control, which I really enjoy doing. And so I had a lot of fun. So they do a good balance between using your guns and using your abilities. Uh, I think we're in a cutscene right now. Did they say what the fourth class is? They did not. Okay. just wasn't I'm, I imagine they're going to have another reveal event either at E3 or, you know, before launch, PAX West or whatever. Um, let me see if I can skip ahead. Where is I my mean, mouse again? It's fine. It's oh, done. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. Oh, it's oh, okay. It's gone. It's done. Um, and it heard you calling. It did, didn't it? And then um, going back to my notes here. So the world tier difficult system. So this was the part that I kind of, they kind of lost me on. So, mm-hmm. so far the gameplay was fun. Uh, I was having a good time in co-op. I really enjoyed using my powers and it was all going great until I was like, okay, so how do the difficulty tiers work in co-op? Cause you clearly are showing this in co-op. We were playing together and that's where they kind of lost me. And I was a little bit frustrated. So the way that co-op works is that let's say the three of us are playing together. Mm-hmm. I have been like grinding and playing a lot. So I'm like level 35, just I'm literally sure. just pulling numbers out of thin air. For example, Brittany has been playing just a little bit. She's like level 10. Simon's like, yo, I have a big girl real job. I'm level three. I'm just getting into it. And we like, but we want to get together and play on the weekend because we never get to play games, all three of us together. It's going to be fun. When Brittany and I jump into the game, we will have to jump into Steimer's game or Steimer will flounder in ours because there is no leveling of enemies. Mm. So if the two of you come into my game, you will be facing enemies at the high level, which will crush you. And then if I go into your game, I'm going to come in and just mop the floor with the enemies, which sounds kind of fun for me. But what it means is that the loot drops don't match the for what you need. What my level That's is. That's a choice. That's a choice that I was quite honestly really flabbergasted at. Did they talk about that at all? So I I pressed them on it, but we did a group Q and A, and some of the people in my group Q and A were asking ridiculous questions that they weren't going to answer. Like, let's talk about the end game lore, and I was oh. like, no, I don't. First off, no one in this room wants to talk about that. That's spoiler territory. And then they kept pressing about these lore questions. I was like, no one wants to hear about the lore right now. I want to hear about the gameplay. And so I was talking, trying to get the, to get a clear answer. Because to me, if you're going to come out into the space with an RPG shooter hybrid and you're not at least matching what Destiny and Borderlands are doing, mm-hmm. 
then you're already behind because those are two stellar, excellent, amazing games that are pillars of online connectivity and group gameplay from a co-op perspective. And they talked nothing about PvP in this game. From my understanding, PvP is not part of this game. It's not part of the plan of this game. And if it's going to be part of the plan, it's not coming until after launch. But they were not talking anything about PvP. So I was like, okay, cool. So let me talk about the other games that are doing shooters and RPGs that are really good at co-op. And so instantly, Borderlands was the first one that came to mind. And they had a revolutionary loot system in Borderlands 3. Something that people, I think, underappreciate the amount of development that went into those individual loot streams and being able to play in a mixed party with people of mixed levels and everybody being able to play together and get their own loot and the enemies feeling balanced because math is hard, but somehow Gearbox figured it out. Like, kudos to you, Gearbox. Like, you did some really cool shit. And people mm. are like, oh, it just works. It's easy. It go- no, like, it doesn't no, no, just no. work. It works the behind the scenes. Because somebody difficult. made it work. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, okay, and Destiny, of course. I don't need to go on and on about how much I love Destiny. You all know. And so I was really kind of frustrated leaving this interview with the team from People Can Fly. So um, I'm not even going to pretend to pronounce these Polish names, um, but the the game director, Bartek, was there. The studio head, Sebastian, was there. The lead level designer, Rafal, was there. The lead technical game designer, um, Pieter, I, I believe, it's basically Peter. Uh, was there. <laughs> and the lead writer, Joshua, was, Joshua was there. Hmm. Um, and so they were doing questions. Well, Sebastian had to leave early, but um, the rest of the team was answering questions. And I was just like, listen, I had a ton of fun playing this game. The guns feel great. The co-op gameplay feels fun. It really felt like the level design felt very like mass effecty cross gears in a way that really hit me in like that. Oh, I love both of these franchises mm-hmm. as third person shooters. Like the cover felt sticky enough, but not too sticky. And it felt like there was a meaningful balance between throwing and using my powers and upgrading them and also using my arsenal of weapons. And this was just in the first couple of levels. And so I was like, I was very much intrigued. But they lost me at this sci-fi drop of the ball. Hmm. Did they say how long the game they're thinking it might be? I don't recall and I don't want to speculate. Sure, sure. No, that's fine. Because I'm trying to think why, just why, unless it's a resource issue, why would you not implement an issue like this? I understand it's not a games of service, so you're probably expecting like a one and done playthrough. And the games of service, obviously much more important to have those features in there. But if this whole thing relies on co-op, it's... I assume the even though the loot would be kind of unusable for you if like you come into my level three Mm -hmm. game. I'm so sad in this scenario (laughs) It's okay. Uh, (laughs) that I'm still getting the same amount of XP. Am I leveling much faster? Cause you're killing everything quickly. I hope so. I didn't ask that specific question. I did ask the question. So if I go into my friend's game out of the kindness of my heart (laughs) to help level them, what do I get from it? Besides just the satisfaction that I helped my friend. A good deed in this world. And that's essentially what they said. They're like, like, you're getting you know a good what? deed. Huh. Karma is a reward in and of itself. That's true. I mean, you're such a good friend. You would do that anyway because spending time with us is like, you know. But yeah, no, I get it. It's, yeah. it's interesting to be like, wow, I could have, depending on how long this game is, I could spend a bunch of time really for nothing. And if since it is not a game as, game as service, you're literally just doing, like, you're just doing me a favor of running me through the game entirely versus us actually having an experience together 
right and and feeling like we are on the same page yeah because then i was gonna say well can you have multiple characters but if simer is let's say level 20 that still doesn't make a difference because you'd have to start a character at like level one and then you're in the same boat yes yeah, and so to me, I was hmm. just, I, I was left scratching my head going, but why? Why would you build a game that's three-player co-op PvE that does not offer some kind of incentive? Because right now, if you were to put this game head-to-head with Borderlands, why would I play Outriders over Borderlands? It features these people on alien worlds with special abilities and co-op gunplay, I mean, where I you're you in a sci-fi universe and so like they put a lot of stock into their narrative they're like people are going to come play this for the narrative and i go in my mind i'm thinking and i didn't say this because i didn't have my thoughts fully formed and i didn't want to pose a narrative question to the dev team because at this stage of the game generally when you do so they're just like we're not talking about that yet but in my mind i'm like hmm okay well this concept of like we're going to go find a new inhabitable planet and then we get there and there's this alien force and this special weird anomaly. I'm like, you're just like pulling... I've heard this tune before. You're like pulling from Mass Effect. You're pulling from Gears. You're pulling from Anthem. You're pulling from Destiny. You're pulling from a a million other like sci-fi fantasy worlds that have already done this timeline. So what makes your game unique? And I never felt like I got a sense of what that was from their team during this interview process. And that could be just because they're not ready to talk about that yet and reveal that part of the narrative, or it could be because it's just derivative. And like that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think that we need to reinvent the wheel with narrative every single time because that's yeah, like the hard. fire stuff looks cool. Yeah, no, and that's the thing is I had a ton of fun with this game. So again, this is my pyromancer gameplay here, but I just. For those of you who are not watching, it's just like she's shooting silicones of fire at people. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's yes. great. It's beautiful. Uh, well, there's also a boss we were fighting that was shooting tornadoes of fire at us. Oh, so maybe it was the was. boss. I just me. saw them and I was like, that's cool. <laughs> um, but I don't want to take away from the fun and the excitement I had while playing this game. I'm just really worried that it's, not gonna, that it's not going to have legs, yeah. especially when you're talking about it not being a games of service. I'm like, to me, a sci-fi shooter that's co-op where you have powers and guns is like borderlands like that's borderlands you know and like you could even say that could be destiny even though i feel like the the guns are a much bigger part of destiny's mechanics than the actual powers are but i think it depends how you play and what class you play anyway i don't want to digress into comparisons because clearly like i respect people can fly as a studio and i was very excited to go play this game and i had a lot of fun playing this game i just don't know if it's going to be a game that i'm going to have a lot of fun playing for multiple hours and multiple days at a time and i'm worried that it's just going to not hold my attention for very long Um, well if it's not games of service it's not designed to do that i'm assuming online matchmaking is a thing did they talk about that um I don't have it in my notes, but I believe yes. It makes sense. Hmm. Okay. I thought I asked that question. I feel like, you know, getting two people to play with you can be hard sometimes. Is that what she said? Um, Maybe. It's, you know, it is difficult. You just have to, to have look at your phone. Range. You, know, you do have to look at your phone occasionally. You do have to maybe turn your invites on, not mute them. That yeah, might it's help just you. the ongoing joke. That and the I only play games from the nineties. Yes. Yeah. So I don't want to get I don't want to get into details about the world tier difficulty systems because that'll just get me frustrated about co op play. But there's they do have a really interesting system with difficulty where they have this world tier system. It kind of reminds me a little bit of what Massive is doing with the Division Two, 
where you have these world tiers and each tier kind of ranks the difficulty of What's the same missions differently. Talking, and I'm like, this map reminds me of Division kind of just yeah. artistically. And then the in the menu for your gear it looks like destiny yeah i was thinking the same and then thing. <laughs> it and then in the in the in the actual game it looks like like you said sort of destiny slash more gears because obviously you don't really the the way you're playing it is yeah, very third destiny person but yeah first right um, yeah and the cover shooter and the cover shooter gears right yeah so yeah that's it's just hmm. it's an interesting blend which yeah. again like i'm not against and i don't think you're against like not everything needs to reinvent the wheel entirely right but at the same time i think what you're you're just expressing is like at the same time you need those a baseline of quality of life mm-hmm. across the plot like across the genre in order to match and and build an incentive for you to go to that game 100 i think the last game i talked about that felt like it was really blending genres this way in a successful way was jedi fallen order mm. and i think the thing that that <laughs> game had that this game doesn't I'm, I'm like the one dissenter of that game. And it's fine. You can mm-hmm. dissent if you want. But I, what I think they did well that I believe is undisputable is that they mashed genres together in a really successful way. And they did it all under the Star Wars banner. And that's what that game had. They said, you know what? We're not going to be able to potentially lean on reinventing the wheel with mechanics. We have to lean into our IP. We're freaking Star Wars. And we're going to make gameplay that is inherently going to be a little derivative, but we're going to blend it in a way that feels unique. And I think Respawn was really successful, and that game was one of the best games of 2019. You can disagree with me if you want. That's totally fine. But what I think this game is lacking is that they don't have that name recognition, right? They're of not going to get people to come to the door because Outriders... Like, Outriders is what not the heck a name. Is that exactly, game? Yeah. yeah. It's not a it's not a name that I would be like, tell me more. It sounds honestly like fairly generic or like a maybe a movie or you know something else that huh. like oh outriders yeah i think i maybe heard about that on netflix or something like right like you just kind of yes. seems like one of those names that you feel you have heard before but it's not really associating with anything strongly in your mind right and it's after this preview event i mean it's it's, it's a stacked year and if this game is coming out holiday 2020 like you're saying so we need that baseline but you also need the special like what sets you apart like what makes mm-hmm. people flock and remember this game i'm looking at it and I I can see how it would be fun, but watching it, I'm not like, oh my god, I can't wait to play this. Something it just yeah. looks solid. Like it's like, oh yeah, yeah that'd be a, like a, a good fun time experience. If we got together and played this, but nothing is like, oh my god. So I think if you are somebody who is like maybe only plays co-op, is looking for something where you kind of you have a, like a small mm-hmm. crew of people and you do play constantly all together, mm-hmm. like this would be definitely a thing for you, but. And that would be a game that you could keep your eye on, but you know, otherwise it's um, mm, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's something that we will watch and play, but yeah. what does it do that special? And I unique? think it. I think it maybe needs to set itself apart a little bit more. Yes, and like I'm hoping that they just were holding back cool things because it was the first time that they really showcased gameplay and showcased the mechanics, and they're like, you know, we're just going to give you a little sneak peek, mm-hmm. but. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not a little gun shy after everything that happened with Anthem. You know, because oh, I walked man, away. Yeah, we thought it was going to be amazing. Dude, I walked away from multiple preview events from Anthem thinking this game is going to be amazing. It's going to be great. I love Bioware. I love what they're showing me. And then it just mm-hmm. underwhelmed, for lack of a better word. You yeah. know, and like I was really sad by how that like turned out. And so now I'm a little gun shy. And I think that it's good for me to stop and take pause and go, yo, I really like this, but 
what could potentially go wrong? What is the foreseeable like yeah. with moment? And I think that people can fly can land this if they message it the right way. And I don't feel like they messaged it the right way at this event. Right. And right now when things are pretty quiet, I feel like this is when you have to message it because once cyberpunk and final fantasy and last of us start coming out, I mean, when is this game's release date? Holiday 2020. Right. So this year rough chuckles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, fingers crossed. I mean, always got to support Witness them. I mean, if they can, co- luck, if they right? can launch like later <laughs> in the holiday, down. like late November, they could potentially find themselves a window where they're missing like the kind of like big Titan games, right? They'll be like the last of us part two. Totally. Will have been out, but even know, if and- you miss, if you manage to <laughs> fucking bullet time, dodge those things, um, you're in prime of you holiday. Still season. need to convince people to play it well yeah <laughs> like, and that's when yeah. all the big marketing pushes for everything yeah. else the new consoles are going to be coming and i guess maybe they can piggyback off that i but. feel like they could be very successful with this game if they delay till january mm-hmm. yeah it's fair if they get out of the holiday window and say you know what we need more polish time let's that's let's when everyone will it. have their new shiny consoles yeah and then january will be that time where you know it's usually pretty quiet and i feel like that would be better for them yeah i'm looking at my calendar of yeah anticipated game releases and yeah it's well, kind of I mean, like quiet we don't know because there's also new consoles right and that's no just the other thing it, was yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. but oh my i God, think horizon that, too oh. no matter how good this even if i walked away from this preview going wow i was blown away by how amazing this game is yeah. they still are the underdog going against giant studios and ip that have established fan bases because people haven't heard from people can fly in a long time and square enix's track record on shooters specifically is middling at best you know it's like the last big shooter they put out was just cause four and that has a very specific audience and is a very different game yeah. than, very than outriders yikes no it's it's sad because, like you said, you know, we want to, we want them to succeed. I think new IP is always important for the industry. But when you're going up against these heavy hitters with established fan bases that have been promoting their stuff for a very long time, it's just hard to imagine a scenario where it does incredibly well. Yeah, which sucks. But I think we've all been in the industry long enough where we see the writing on the wall. I hope it's successful. I hope they come out with some information that really blows our minds. But um, even if they do, like when you're going up against all these other games, it's like you said, it's. They need some more, like, to me, personally, from, granted, judging based on the fucking video footage I just watched. <laughs> like, the my, game, my gameplay. Right. Like, so good. I'm like, whatever. But I do think they maybe visually could work color-wise or color palette-wise to, like, set themselves apart a little bit better because it just reads as third-person shooter to me, mm-hmm. visually. And I think even if you messed around with the armor more and you had, like, on their trailers and things, I hope that they play with some of the end-game loot. So you visually see different silhouettes um, and might be more drawn to it because you'll be like, ooh, what's that? Can I look like that? Because they're all just like, this looks like a Destiny character with a cloak on its head. Simon um, just wants capes. And I I don't even care about if it's a necessarily a cape. I do love a good cape. Mm-hmm. I want, like I just said, a different visual silhouette for my character so that I feel like I am unique as compared to you when you're playing somebody or you when you're playing somebody. Like... I want us to feel and look different mm-hmm. because yeah. if we're going to play very differently, then our armor, in my opinion, should look different. much different. Yeah, like yeah. If you're a berserker boy or whatever and face tanking, you should have face tanky stuff, giant plates of armor yeah. on you. If you are a pyromancer person, you should have a little bit more lighter 
armor that's a little flowier or whatever and i should be like tight leathers right if you're doing yeah well they they showed at the at the event they showed us some art of some of like the more high-end high-end stuff armor and like it looks more elemental Mm, inspired than more like actually like true apparel inspired like it looks almost alien Mm. but elemental inspired to your class that sounds cool and i thought it looked really neat yeah so i'm excited i want them to show okay yeah show more of that that. and i think and use that in your marketing materials because i think that is what visually will draw people in Mm -hmm. yes 100 percent. no crusty coats no Nobody wants some backseat britches either. Oh, I'm excited to learn more about this narrative, though, that they're supposedly so excited about. Talk about that, too. Listen, I love I love good sci-fi. I do. I just finished The Expanse, and I'm fucking obsessed with it. Hmm. Is there player choice to talk about that? Like, Oh, I thought you went in The Expanse. Um, so, I mean, it's a, the, There's a creator character, and it's uh, the options okay. that I saw, they were like, please like, just note that this is a very pre pre alpha build. Like yeah. we're going to sure add more stuff, but the creator character I saw was good. Okay. So that character you saw, I created her and a little like, saw that. That was nice. Shaved little, head. Little and little. Yeah. And uh, Alana was, she gave herself like white hair, like an old man with a beard. Oh nice. my God. That's that, what, that every character like Jason do. makes is an old man with a beard, a white, <laughs> white hair, white beard, old man. What the heck? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't get it. You know what? Oh. Different hey, strokes, man. Different yeah, there you go. yeah. There's a creative character. So okay. you get to create. And I really loved the female voice actor. Okay. I thought she did a great job. I will say 100% props to whoever the voice director and the writer is because I was into it. Sweet. Nice. Mm-hmm. Did, always good. did a great job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently people didn't really care for the male voice actor, but I never played as him. So play mm-hmm. lady. Yeah. They're better. And so on that true. note, um, thank you to uh, Square Enix and People Can Fly for having me out at the event. And we will, of course, be following up with more coverage of Outriders later on in the year when hopefully they invite us back to play a little more. Yeah. Next time you have to come with me. We can play yeah, together. Well, that'd be great. Yeah. I'll face tank. Um, ladies, I have hogged this whole section. Is there something else that you guys would like to talk about? Um, I've played can't. some incredible things. That we can talk about next week. Exactly. So I'm going to have to remain quiet two, during this segment. Two embargoed games. Oh, that's all I got. That's all I can do. Yeah. Sorry. I'm like, I can tell you about the, my other MMO fail attempt. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I hopped back into Guild Wars for a little bit. And again, I was just like, I do still really love this game so much, but... I just don't think I'm there anymore. <laughs> and another very stark reminder of that was my very brief foray dipping my toes back into the waters of DC Universe Online. <laughs> uh, because, so I was texting with Greg about something else unrelated, and he randomly was just like, by the way, do you want to get back into DCUO? Because we played that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, do, we were like super fucking into that game. We ran duos every day. And it was just so, it was a fun, stupid MMO. Like, the voice acting was hilarious, and we even still quote it sometimes. It's just like, you'll not get in the way from my plans for Flash. And like It's just like really campy, but we were mm-hmm. like, that's Into part it. of the charm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, you know what? Sure. Why not? I'll re-download DCU. <laughs> then I download it. Uh-huh. And then oh. the old stab in the back. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. So I, I get to it, and I was like, hey, Greg, it's, tell- it's telling me here that i need to pay like 50 dollars to boost my character up to like a normal level and he was like 
Yeah, I wasn't sure how to tell you that. I didn't think you'd be interested, actually, when you said yes. Like, I didn't think you'd say yes. And they were doing a promotion back in January where for, like, the ninth anniversary, it was free. And so, like, he got boosted for free. And then started telling people about it in February once it was over. And I was like, you suck. Oh, no. Wait, but why would they... Why would they take it away? I don't don't know. It's too much. Like, I was like, look, even if this was $10, it would still be a hard sell for me. But I would probably be more inclined to do it. 50 bucks? But I am not... I'm not doing doing that. Mm -mm. So, like, I ran around in the world for a little bit, mostly just to reconnect with my character and remember what she looked like. Because I was like, oh, yeah. So her name was Lady Irana. Uh, Irana is from Quest for Glory, if you do not know. Mm. And... Or maybe it means other things too, but that's where my reference is. And she just, I was like, oh yeah, she looked like a badass. Like I forgot about her. She was great. And I was the healer and like we would run stupid raid groups or whatever. Anyways, it was, it was very fun for me once upon a time. Um, mm. But jumping back into it, I was like, you know, I'm trying to go through all my gear. I went through the bank, like sold all my old shit. Wow. And then it was one of those things similar with Guild Wars where I kind of looked at it. It was like, mm. Mm. I loved this. I think it is time to close this chapter. So like, you, I just don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know that there's going back for right. me because the investment it would take in order to re-engage. And I'm not even talking about the $50. Just the, what do I even need to do in this game? Where do I go? It took me forever to figure out how to get out of the watchtower because I couldn't remember. I was like, I think there was a portal around here somewhere oh, to yeah. get back into the open world. Fuck, I don't remember. And just trying to do all that is just so much more investment. And as much as I loved MMOs once upon a time, I think I am far too old for them now. And I just don't have. Well, for now, maybe it's just not. Yeah, maybe later. But very fond of you Mm -hmm. once upon a time, DCUO. Mm -hmm. Also, bring back that friggin thing where you made everybody level up for free. Yeah, you should do that. Your game is old. I feel like you just (laughs) give that for free. Like in Destiny, whenever they release a new expansion, they just like give everybody an auto boost when you buy the expansion. Because you want people to play the game. Right. Which is where I was like, and he he was like, well, there's other things and it's like boost you really quickly or whatever. I just was like, nah, that. When I hit that, I was like, I could do these things but i don't think i no i don't think i will no yeah no i'm with you if you are an avengers person you'll understand that Mm -hmm. but old chris evans no well i'm proud of you for giving it a shot i saw your when you tweeted that i was like dang girl yeah i was like oh it's gonna be so fun like yeah we're gonna we're gonna gonna go back we're gonna play those dumb duos and like i don't remember what the fuck i was doing but you just kind of mash buttons in dco and it's okay it's very it's a very button mashery button mashy mmo like because you're just like and like yes there are combos and you could try to learn with jesus christ i don't know yeah there's so many of them um so yeah it's uh it's close close the chapter on the mmos mm-hmm. i do again i just i dip my toes in and out of guild wars every <laughs> now and then when i ran around in the world i was kind of remembering my combos from a ranger mm-hmm. which was nice do you think if you started because there's so many mmos i feel like coming out new ones if you started a new one from scratch do you think you I might? I could, except the, to- uh, the time. So it, it's not even just like the reinvestment into the MMO that you've already been established in. It's just MMOs in general. You're I think like- just MMOs in general require too much time to keep up mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of why I don't do a lot of games as service anymore, to be honest. Because yeah. I just, I find them really difficult to keep up with. I find smaller games like Dating Sims much more reasonable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is what I was looking forward to playing. So on Valentine's Day, yeah. not va- the next, the day after Valentine's Day, the 15th, Saturday. Go to my computer. Go to Steam. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. It's Gonna on. download 
uh, best friend forever, which is going to be a dating sim with dogs. It's going to be great. And I click on the thing and it's like May 2020. And I was like, delayed. son of a bitch. Delayed. Didn't realize until I got there that it was delayed. So one day I actually might stream that game because I think it's fun. Yeah, you should. Yes. Like, um, so you got to stream Boyfriend Dungeon too when it comes out. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, give me all the dating sims and video games because dating in real life is uh, no thank you. Can be a pain. It's it's brutal out there. Yeah. I've so I've heard, but, <laughs> <laughs> but not I, when there's a dog involved. I'm like I'm married. I don't know what it's like. Really, I'm often wondering about that. If I were to become single, I think I'd be so off my game. I think I'd be. I'd just walk up and be like, "Hi," give him a weird face. <laughs> He'd go running. <laughs> That'd be it. <laughs> please do it. Uh, please. Just, I kind of want to talk to everybody like that. Be like, just take uh, off your ring and just walk up to somebody. But hi. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, can you please? Yeah. Can so I Pax, ask? everybody I introduce you to, can you just be like, hmm. <laughs> No, Pax is not the place for that. <laughs> everybody knows who she is. They'll be um, like, we get it. I'll just pretend like I'm a sloth for a day. Oh, you're right. <laughs> like, they'll be like, <laughs> I was like, I shouldn't do that. Maybe like potential lost business opportunities. And Simon's like, nah, everyone knows that's pretty. Everyone knows. It will have the effects. It will have the effects. We need to go to a random bar in LA when you're back here. Yeah. <laughs> Shove yeah. you forth and be we'll, like, well, wing woman Steimer one night, but then Brittany will be like, hey, Brittany. <laughs> it'll be great. I want this to happen. I'll just very channel badly. my inner sloth that day. It'll be fine. <laughs> and on that note, I think it's time for us to wrap up the show. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us this week. We're super excited to see everybody in Boston at PAX East 2020, but we will be back with a brand new show next week ahead of. PAX East, which we're very excited about because Brittany yes. has these two top secret games that she can't talk about this week that she can talk about next week. And then Steimer oh. and I will be like, did you play something? I did. I, I played something. I'm not going to be on the show next week. Oh, no. Steimer's on vacay. I'm oh. at my parents' house. Oh, yeah. Well, is good for really, you. Is that really a vacation? You know what? Thoughts to ponder <laughs> when you leave this weekend. So it's um, going to be me and you gushing about the things. Oh, aren't you excited? Because oh, you know what I'm going to be talking oh, about. Oh, yes. Oh. I feel like we maybe need to bring in a special guest to gush with you. I mean, Ooh. are you saying you can't handle my gushiness? Of course so I Now can. I want gushers. Listen, Ooh. when you gush, I'm going to make you listen to my newest obsessive mobile game I'm playing. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, buddy. That's what you do. Um, okay, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you so much to Drew for being our special guest on the show this week with that fantastic interview about GameStop. And we look forward to seeing you guys next time. Have a great weekend, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.